to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be, and welcome to another edition of the best in live overnight talk radio, covering an area ranging from the Hawaiian and Tahitian Island chains all the way east to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north to the pole, and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. Good morning. I have been advised uh, that we may have some Internet difficulties uh, with regard to audio this morning. Satellite C1, or F1, uh, is being inundated with... um, apparently terrible weather in Denver, and that would account for the sporadic operation of uh, F1 this morning. It will not affect, however, the um, uh, the grand majority of you listening uh, on radio stations across the country and beyond. Those listening on the Internet may experience um, audio interruptus as a result of the, uh, uh, the Denver weather troubles. Now, having said that, uh, this has been a remarkable day. Uh, a remarkable day. <laughs> Tell you all about it in a moment. We're going to talk about crop circles. Now, my guest is going to verify this for you because otherwise nobody would believe it. The synchronicity involved in this. Um, I got uh, I got a uh, very interesting uh, fax earlier in the day, uh, which uh, suggested. That, um, well, it says art, guaranteed to blow your mind. Doug Ruby, author of The Gift, Crop Circles Deciphered. The Crop Circles Deciphered. And I thought, hmm, Doug is in uh, Melbourne, Florida. He's a veteran commercial airline pilot. And uh, we'll ask him about that shortly. But I thought, crop circles deciphered. He, You know, he's written a book. And I thought, I, all of us, of course, have wanted to know what these crop circles are. So about, I guess, midday for him, actually morning. Let me back that up even a little further. I called him at about 6 o'clock in the morning, my time, 9 o'clock his time, back in Florida, and said, I really would like to talk to you about your book, uh, Deciphering of Crop Circles. And so we set it up for tonight, and he is going to be my guest here in a few moments. Now the incredibly synchronistic part. When I woke up, I got a fax that said, well, I'll read it to you. It says, wow. Hi, Art and Ramona. Check out the latest crop circle at Stonehenge. You can see a photo, aerial photo of the crop circle connector uh, at the crop circle uh, connector website. The words that popped into my mind immediately upon viewing it were Tree of Life from Deborah in Santa Barbara. So it was the usual last-minute scramble, and I got Keith, who got to the connector page and downloaded the uh, photograph and put in a link to the connector page. And she is a beaut. The new Stonehenge 97 crop circle, in obviously a new crop, a fresh crop, is um, is up there to be seen right now. 
So if you go up there under the new items, I think, or maybe it's a guest page. I'm not sure which. Uh, you'll see the name uh, Doug Ruby, author of The Gift, The Crop Circles Deciphered. Then next to it, you will see a link to the connector web uh, page. And if you have trouble with that, click on the other one, and you will see a picture of this newest received, I don't know, about an hour ago, aerial photograph of this uh, incredible, incredible crop circle at Stonehenge. So pretty synchronistic, uh, I, I would say, wouldn't you? Coming up in a moment, Doug Ruby. Hero. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to on radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future, and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take, and you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Now, we take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. everybody don't forget we've got the live studio cams up and uh, from time to time I of course printed out in about the last 10 minutes a photograph of this incredible Stonehenge crop circle and um, I've been holding that up to the camera now you in case you don't know about our studio cams you can go um, to the top of the news section I think it's still up there and click on studio cam live and you will get um, high-quality, uh, very high-quality photographs that are taken here in my studio about every 30 seconds, transferred to a server and distributed from my website. We've got three cameras working, all going at different angles, so you can sit here and do, uh, uh, sort of do a, 
I hear you on the radio, and I see you on TV, sort of, type deal. And I will hold up this photograph, uh, but my inclination is not to do that very much because you can, you know, obviously you're already on the website. You can go and look at this for yourself and see the actual photograph. God, it's incredible. Here is my guest from Melbourne Beach, Florida, Doug Ruby. Doug, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, sir. And you want to talk about synchronicity here as I was listening to you. Uh, last night when I got in from flying, uh, amongst my mail was a, a letter from a fellow up in Alberta, Canada. And it just reads real quick, thanks for the great book. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Where was I two years ago when the book came out? A little bit more, and then good luck in your investigations. I'd be happy to help out in any way. Uh, and then you called this morning. Uh, got me out of bed, as you know, uh, <laughs> rest up from getting in. So it was, what, about 9 o'clock your time or something? Uh, it was 9, 9.30. Okay. And you came in from uh, your, your pilot, commercial pilot. Uh-huh. Um, do you want to tell us uh, as much as you think um, advisable under the circumstances about your background? Sure. And uh, what, what that means by that, because he's so well acquainted with it, is... Uh, Airline companies these days don't, days don't like their pilots talking about uh, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and this uh, era, area of endeavor. Uh, therefore, uh, we will uh, glance over that. Even, uh, even though, in other words, even though you have definitive opinions about extraterrestrial life and so forth, uh, you also have a career. Sure. And um, a mutual friend of ours... Um, uh, lost his job uh, for talking about similar things. And relating and mentioning the company. And uh, they don't really mind. You can, you're absolutely uh, entitled to your opinions, but please do not re, uh, relate this to your, your business. And mm -hmm. that's all they asked. It was, a, it was a goof outside of his arena, but it happened uh, after a warning, and, and they let him go. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, nobody wants that to happen to you. Uh, what kind of planes do you generally fly? Can you say that? Uh, the, the bigger airplanes, uh, 727s <laughs> on up. Uh, <laughs> 727s and up. All right, that'll yeah. do. Um, okay, um, so your background. When did you become, I mean, here you've been flying for what, uh, 25, 30 years? Sure, yeah. I, I started out uh, knowing I wanted to fly when I was a kid. Uh, ended up having to go to uh, college. Didn't want to go straight in the military, but they didn't have that program at that time. Mm -hmm. So got my four-year degree, then went in uh, the Air Force, was an, immediately packed off to uh, Southeast Asia, spent 18 months over there, came on back, uh, got out after uh, five years of duty, went in the airlines, been here ever since. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Um, so you've been a pilot all this time. Sure. Um, how do you get from being a pilot? I, you know, the average person would say, well, if he's a pilot, he's probably seen a bunch of these crop circles from the air. Uh, no, uh, and you'd have to be pretty low. Um, things get pretty small. You know, the houses get smaller as you go up. And they do. So you're not going to really see any crop circles from the air, and the, the area in England where where they uh, they have their predominantly created, although they've been created everywhere in the world except, I believe, Africa and China. And I just got a, a, a one of my emails today uh, was from the uh, uh, Craft Circle uh, Society here in the United States, and they had a message from uh, Czechoslovakia, a fellow over there, and they have a number of them every year. 
Well, last year, um, pun intended, we really had a bumper crop, of yep. course, uh, some tremendous ones. Uh, this is the one that we're, we're looking at right now and that my audience, I'm sure, is racing up to my website to take a look at is uh, one of the more interesting ones uh, thus far in 1997, and, of course, it is at Stonehenge in, in what is obviously a brand-new crop because it's very green. Um, so for the radio audience that doesn't have a computer and cannot get up there and take a look at this, can you describe, let us begin with the newest, can you describe this crop circle that I'm looking at right now? Yeah, it, it's a, just think of a, uh, a circle, and uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six sides inside the circle, and then there are one, two, three, four, five, six spokes coming out from the center with what would appear as a crystalline structure. The whole thing appears as a crystalline uh, a structure. Just think of a snowflake, but more of a, a crystal structure than a snowflake. But it's that type of uh, image they've created here. Uh, it would, and Art and I were talking just a little bit before the show about this because I just pulled it up. If you took a pan, let's say a 15-inch metal pan, and you put some uh, metal dust in it, uh, iron dust in it, not not filings, but dust. Right. You put 16 magnets under that pan. Uh, run around there in a geometric pattern, and you energize these with a specific frequency, a sp uh, which would create a harmonic. Uh -huh. At some specific harmonic, you would create that pattern, and that's what they're telling us. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Since, okay? Uh, well, I'm sitting here thinking of what you're saying, uh, and are you suggesting that a specific magnetic uh, arrangement uh, beneath the surface of the Earth is. Uh, well, no. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I, I'm, okay. you know, I'm thinking of magnets underneath, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no. What I'm what I'm trying to explain to you is because what what I'm doing now is uh, what I deciphered and what's in what's in the book, the gift uh, does not apply to this. Uh, there, we're, we're talking about a ship that you that come that they're they're showing us. What they're showing us here is part of the power plant. And what they're giving us here is a specific freak or a harmonic. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me stop you. What they're showing us here is part of a power plant? It is the power plant that runs a spaceship. And this, what they're giving us in this particular crop circle, is, is a, when we energize these magnets with a harmonic, with, with this specific harmonic, right. that dust in that pan will take that formation exactly. You will, and when you see it, you will know you've got the right harmonic, okay? Huh. And that's right. how they build piece by piece and tell you how this thing operates. You don't have to sit down and figure this stuff out. You don't need any mathematics. It's all ratios. There is written instructions, unbelievably, that I've just discovered a couple months ago uh, that pertains to all of this. And I don't want to go into that right now, but I'm just explaining to you what you're looking at here, which nobody knows. And I'm not, and it's not an ego trip. I say that uh, I'm just saying I, I've been working on this for Ooh. years. Uh, that's quite a statement. I have never heard anybody make as definitive a statement about what a crop circle is as you just made. Um, now, so the next obvious question. Uh, uh, Doug, is how can you know this? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 
I in, in the I have to start someplace uh, here with you. In, in the in my book, I start off with the 1990 crop circles, and we don't want to go through the history of this thing. Of but uh, these were the it, uh, the large pictograms that stunned the world back in 1990, and then at the end of that, I believe it was that season uh, or it was a 91 season. Doug and Dave over there uh, uh. came out and uh, through their rehearsed uh, put up campaign said, "Oh, we're making all of them," and this was. This ran around the world with um, the media, and the interest just totally dissipated, except right. for the, the the people that knew better, that had been there, that had seen them, and knew that this was for real. And years went by until uh, there was more interest. Now, I took the 90, 91, and a smattering of 92 formations, and these were, again, the large pictograms, and I deciphered these. And from that, I have gone on for a very simple reason that when the book came out, the people that I, I thought would, would go poofa to it were the ones that went, wow. And those were uh, those with an engineering background, doctors, lawyers, professional field, all, right. all went nuts over it. All right. Well, um, again, I'm going to return to my question. Even going back to 1991, 90, 90, um, how did you decipher what they meant? Okay. It's a central question. Okay. Uh, what I did was is I looked at these formations, and I said I said to myself uh, after reading a number of these books, you, you know, uh, these can't be create, being created by hoaxers. Number one, uh, they're they're too large. Uh, they're they're just unbelievable. Uh, then I said, well, I think that there's a higher form of intelligence that's trying to communicate with us and they're using an advanced state of technology to create these things to begin with and the question was if you come to those two conclusions right why wasn't anybody deciphering them so i i went and said i can't i can't do anything uh off planet for an analogy i have to find something right here on, on earth that i can make a relationship here between an intelligence uh, extraterrestrial intelligence how and and why are they doing this? What I came up with in an analogy that worked perfect was our friends, the dolphins. The and dolphins. I, the dolphins. I, I looked at a dolphin show. I was out in Vegas on a layover, and I went to, I don't know, Caesar's Palace or whatever. It's got the dolphin show, and it hit right. me. And I said, they're looking at the whole, the whole dolphin show. They're, they're sitting there in the audience watching the show. And that's what everybody is doing with the crop circles. They're, they're, they're hit every year with this tremendous array of, of patterns and by looking at the whole show they aren't understanding what's happening here you have to look for the simple and I just I, I know and I talked to the dolphin trainers out there and I said how long does it take you to to get this thing going uh, from the get-go and they they said years and they they work with these animals before that communication is established and it starts off in very little steps with with, with hand signs but now you have right. two beings that have a have a definite language of their own, but they cannot communicate with that with their language between the two of them. But they evolved a hand, a sign language that they understood and they could communicate with. Gotcha. Okay. Now, besides that, by the time that show occurred, the dolphins and the trainers had established a rapport between the two of them. They understood each other to a great degree. Can you see that? 
Uh, yes. In other words, as communication increased, uh, understanding uh, between the species obviously would increase. Sure. Uh, th that makes absolute sense. Um, there was a bonding that took place. A there. bonding, yes, I'm sure that's right. And so then you, so I, I said you approach my, crop circles the same way. So I said yes, I, exactly. I said the answers will lie in the simple. The directions will lie within the simple formations and lead me into the more complex formations. All right, hold it right there, Doug. Relax. You've got several minutes. We're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Ooh, you ought to see this crop circle. It's a new one at Stonehenge as of tonight. Synchronicity, huh? Because I've got the man who says he's deciphered crop circles. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. In a way, we're talking about the complex versus the simplistic, aren't we? Uh, going back to the basics, to decipher crop circles, uh, not by looking for the fractal uh, complexities of them, but by going back to the basics in the way one might teach and begin to communicate with a dolphin. <laughs> uh, I've got to read you this. Just uh, cleared my fax machine. Hi, Art. During the heat of the space race in the 1960s, the U.S. National Aeronautics and Space Administration decided it needed a ballpoint pen to write in the zero-gravity confines of its space capsules. After considerable research and development, the astronaut pen was developed at a cost of about one million dollars. The pen worked and also enjoyed some modest success as a novelty item back here on Earth. The Soviet Union, faced with the same dilemma, used a pencil. Thank you, Cooter. I appreciate that. That lives as uh, one of the all-time great faxes. The Soviet Union faced with the same dilemma. 
used a pencil. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. Once again, back to my guest in, I believe, Melbourne Beach, Florida. Uh, he is Doug Ruby. Doug, welcome back. Thank you, Art. Um, so, in the spirit of simplicity, I thought that fit right in. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so you looked at the way they instructed dolphins, um, which took a long period of time, and they began with the most simplistic, uh, uh, basic forms of communication and worked their way up to more complex commands and or communication, depending on how you want to think about it. And you approached crop circles the same way. Exactly. And from that point, uh, I, I just, what I, would, what I was searching for was the simplest crop circle I could find. And I, I came up with one. It's nothing but a, a, a disc with some interrupted rings on it, uh, two uh, inside uh, rings at different uh, spacing that were uh, half a ring, and then there was nothing. And at that point, I said, well, I'm looking at this thing. What do I do now? And... I did what any human would do. I said, I want to pick this up. So I cut it out, of, uh, I put on some cardboard, glued it some cardboard, picked it up. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking about the movie 2001. What did the apes do or that early man do when they saw that monolith? They went over and they started feeling it. That's right. That's the way we do. I mean, it's a... It's Touching and feeling. No, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody was waiting... They, they knew about us. That's what I'm trying to get at. These folks who made these formations know us very well, okay? They know the way we do things. So I picked it up, and I said, now what do I do with it? Well, it's got interrupted rings on it. And I put a button on the back of it, glued a button on the back of this little thing, and tossed, spun it on the table with my fingers, just like a, a little a flat top. You can buy it today in the Discovery Store, wherever. Uh, and the thing spun great, and what happened was the, the interrupt, interrupted rings became whole rings. And I said, well, what are they showing me here? They're telling me I'm supposed to spin these things. And, oh. Okay? The simple. Now, wait a look now let, let's, let's go over this again. I want to be sure the audience gets it. You took a simplistic thing, uh, one of the most simplistic crop circles, and you made a little attachment to a little piece of cardboard, and you spun the thing. And when you did, uh, it connected. In other words, the describe it again, please. Okay. Uh, the disc, or this crop circle, is, is, a, is a circle with a, a, a large uh, dark spot, let's call it, or a circle in the center. And then there are two rings on the outside of that, but they're only half rings. There's half of it on one side of the uh, of the circle and half on the other. Okay, okay. I just drew that. 
Oh, I see what happened. Okay. Well, I see what happened. It just leads you naturally to say, yeah, you know, if I, if I toss this, so I put a button on the back and I toss it just for curiosity, and the rings made, just made an end of a whole ring. Right. Okay. And I said, neat. Well, what's this telling me? And what it's, what they're telling me is, I'm supposed to spin them. Okay. It's that simple. Okay. So then what I did is, like, let's go get another one. So the next one I could find, it was, did not, I couldn't find one that just had just interrupted rings or anything like that. And it had an appendage on it. It had something coming off of it. And now it was out of balance. So what am I going to do with this? I can't spin this on a table like I just did. But if I put a shaft on the back of it, glued a shaft on it, I could roll it in my hands. And I could see what that thing formed as it spun. And I did that. And it was really neat. Uh, I, I, it formed more rings on the outside of it when I did that. Huh. So I said, I mean, the formation trance, when you spin something like this, it becomes a, a blur in a way, but it works up to that blur, and it becomes something else, okay? It transforms. So now what I, what I just learned was there's something in that formation they want me to see, definitely, because this was a six-petal flower that I did. But what they were telling me, the, the main message was, you're supposed to put a shaft on these, Doug. It was that simple. Spin them, spin them by putting a shaft on them. Uh-huh. Okay, so at that point, I made another one, and it had longer appendages on it, but it was very interesting. And again, you're working with crop circles at this point, what, from 91? These are 1990. 1990. July 1990. Uh, I'm looking at my book here. Great Wishford, created mid-July 1990. Uh, Now, this one had appendages going out even farther, extending out from the main circle even farther, and this was not going to balance very well on my hand. And at this point, I said, I need to make a little machine that I can spin these on, that I can put the post in, and I can spin them. And I I went out and uh, stopped my research at the time and, and went out and made a spinning machine. Oh, you know what I would have done? Uh, I'd have gone and bought a turntable. I got to spin them faster than that. Okay. Uh, and then what, uh, uh, the one thing that uh, that happened at that point was I, I I began to get get some confidence with this thing. I could see something was developing. I could feel it. And I went to the the large pictograms. All right. Before you do that, a lot of people in the audience are going to want to know some of the details so they can try this themselves. All right. How fast do you have to spin them? Uh, I mean, if you think of the old uh, 45 RPM, even the 78 RPM, how many RPMs do you think you have to get to? to, And is it consistent, or do you find um, at different, in other words, is there one RPM speed that seems to bring one result with, with nearly all photographs, or are you at different speeds? I'm at different speeds. But I, and I'm going to say they're going to run from 80 RPM to uh, somewhere around two to 300. Uh, not much higher than that. All right. How do you make a device, uh, if I may ask, that will accomplish that? Okay. I, I made, Just think of a box. I got a box, okay, but I made it out of wood. Right. Uh, put a, a got a uh, electric fan motor, mounted it in the bottom. Right. Put a little uh, piece of uh, plastic tubing uh, attached that to the shaft, and then in the top of 
the top of the box, I drilled a hole, and I put a, uh, a, a round uh, set of ball bearings in there with a center hole for the shaft in it, just bought them straight out of the hardware store. And now the shaft would go on the top of the box and hook into that piece of tubing in the bottom, which would connect the shaft. Okay. okay. This is real Rube Goldberg simple stuff. That's all right. Yeah, just put a regular fan rheostat on it and... Uh, uh-huh. Ran that thing up, okay? A fan rheostat. Uh, and so then you can adjust the RPMs. Sure. Okay. Sure. No, I had no uh, no tack on it. I had no no way to tell you, to explain to you, tell you, tell you exactly what RPMs I'm running. I can tell you that these first cardboard models I had, I ran them so fast that they flew apart. And then I knew I had to get, uh, get a better uh, material, and I went to wood. And uh, at that point, I went to the pictograms. And when I did this, I found my prior knowledge applied immediately. And let me explain this to the uh, your audience here. Uh, these pictograms began uh, appearing. The first one was uh, Alton Barnes in 1990. This went around the world. Uh, a couple of rock groups used it on their, their uh, cover of their uh, albums. And uh, they stunned everyone. Uh, the visitors out there were uh, in tremendous numbers. Uh, what you've got here is a long shaft uh, drawn in the field, and they got three rings on it, or, or three circles, one at each, far, at each extremity of it, and then one in the middle, which is the largest one. And uh, there are rings uh, within, there are concentric rings within that formation. Right. Okay. What I did was, as I as I looked at this thing, I said, I know I've got to pick it up, so I cut it out. I put it on cardboard, cut it out, and I've got this thing in my this contraption in my hand. I said, What am I supposed to do with this now? Well, I've already done this with my prior crop circles, and I picked it up and I put a shaft on it. Now here, I've already got the shaft, and I say these suckers are supposed to rotate 90 degrees. It's obvious, and I rotated all three 90 degrees. Uh huh. And I said, What do I do now? As I slid them together, all I made was a nice little sandwich. I said, what's going on? Well, just a, a, a week or two after that crop, uh, Alton Barnes had been created, there was a, another one almost identical to it created in Crawley, but he, it had a couple of additions to it. And I said, maybe these things are additive. I don't know why, but let's do it. And it was only four lines, vertical lines, between two of the uh, two on each side of the post, Right. That separated two of these circles. When I inserted them, this thing became a little ship on the shaft. And when I spun wow. it, it went three-dimensional on me. Wow. And this is something we discussed earlier uh, real quickly because I was trying to figure out how to do it, and I wanted to give the folks out there a present. And it's not, I'm not giving it from me, I'm giving it from the crop circle creators to you. Anyone who's out there listening to, to uh, your program, Art, is looking into the unknown. They, they have a desire for this, just like you and I do. Of course. So let's give them a present. And I'm going to FedEx you tomorrow this uh, all drawn out in the paper and a couple pages out of this book. And all they're going to need is to download this, print it out if they, if they are on the Internet. They can, and all you need is a glue stick glue it to a piece of cardboard, cut it out, and have either a pencil or a little bit longer shaft, a, a doll which you can buy in a hardware store or uh -huh. a hobby shop, 
and mount it on, and you can make this thing yourself. And when you do, you will have communicated with extraterrestrials. This is stunning. I uh, stunning. I never, and I don't know why. Um, when you look at nearly any crop circle, by the way, including the one that we have even tonight, uh, just as you came on the air, when you look at it, it should be obvious that it is intended to be spun. There is a center. In other words, everything uh, moves from a center. And uh, as you have described this, it hit me like a brick wall. Sure. sure exactly. Uh, once you get finished, uh, and I'm not pushing the book here, but a, a lot of people I've talked to, uh, a gal up in uh, New Hampshire, I was doing a, she was interviewing me for a, a little thing in a, uh, magazine, had, she said, Doug, I've just read the book, and did you see the crop circle on TV last night? And I said, yeah. I said, since you've read the book, tell me, Eileen, do you know what it is? She says, I knew what it was immediately. She said, it's so easy. I said, once you see it. And uh, there is a caution here. There are many, many different forms of information conveyed by each of these information. These folks are extremely intelligent. Uh, they, they are going to hit you on a subconscious level. There is a, a sacredness about them that when you visit the crop circles that you will feel this energy. And um, Doug, how specific is the message that we're getting? Now, you said uh, of the early crop circles back in 90, you were able to discern through the process you've described, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to make you describe it again after the next hour, um, a ship. Now, when I asked you about the, the crop circle that we've got up on the website, the brand new one, mm -hmm. you said it's part of a um, propulsion system or a drive system. Sure. All, all they're showing you here is a specific harmonic. And, and this is very simple to understand. Uh, geometry, sacred geometry, platonic geometry. This is, this is not tough stuff, okay? If I understand it, it's not tough stuff. Uh, Geometry equals frequency equals energy, and you can put those in any order you want. They have shown us the geometry here. If we can convert that just by a, by looking at this picture uh -huh. and setting up what I told you before, your magnets with your pan and running your frequency, what you think it is close to, that, that uh, iron dust in the pan, you will at some point match what you've got, look, what you're looking at there. When you do, you have that frequency that you need for that portion of the power plant. And how do you know what portion of the power plant? Because this crop circle that you see right here that was created within the last 24 hours yes. will apply to the set of crop circles you're getting this summer. And most likely we will not get maybe one more of this type this summer because they want us to know that this harmonic applies to the formations which apply to that section of the power plant. Wow. Um, is it your view that uh, through the years they have shown us how to build a ship? Is that what they're doing? That is exactly what they're doing. They're giving us a gift, and that's what I run through in the book. What, what, we're, what, what I'm doing here is, and believe this is a bear for me to, uh, to, to assemble, to explain it to someone else in this book, but uh, I think I did a pretty good job. And what we're doing, what I do here is I run through some of these formations, and, they, and the reader becomes acquainted with some of these various pictograms because they're different. 
And then I go to a specific grouping of them, which apply to the ship itself, to the, to the shape of the ship. And from these, we extract a saucer, a specifically designed saucer. And then, we have, then the book becomes a flight manual. And why I was chosen. Flight manual. Well, I, I can, uh, I don't have to reach too far to understand why you were chosen. Right. Well, what I'm trying to say to you is, is from that on this book, we apply what we've already seen in the crop circles. And we apply this to the actual model. And I go right through ascension, accent, ascent, descent, lateral motion, longitudinal motion, angular motion, hovering, how it does it. How the ship actually does this. Holy smokes. And I allude to and explain in the back what we're looking at here at where I was at that time two years ago, what this power plant was, uh, what was coming at me at looking at, at that early stage. And what I came up, what has happened is many people I talked to said, Doug, I really love the book. Uh, I saw it. it. It slammed together uh, about three-quarters of the way through it. It took that long, but I stayed with it. But I want you. I want to see it. Show me. And I'm going, my God, you think I have a trillion dollars? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is not going to cost that much. Uh, let me make a suggestion. Um, one thing that you could do, that one way to show people, uh, since you're equipped to do it, uh, if you have a video camera, which I would bet you do, what would stop you from um, doing a video and then turning that into an AVI file that we could allow people to download and actually see this process underway? We can do that. An AVI file is simply a, a digital rendition of video. Mm -hmm. and people can download that and run it on their computers. My God, uh, this comes under the category of, oh, my God. Listen, rest. We're at the top of the hour, and uh, we're, when we come back, we have more stations joining us. So I've really got to, uh, I've got to push you through explaining this one more time, and it's worth doing. So, Doug, stay right where you are, and we'll be right back. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up.
Premier Network presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. What I've got coming up for you comes under the Oh My God category. Trust me on this. Bear with me on this. The subject is crop circles. Los Angeles, San Francisco, other affiliates joining at this hour. My guest is Doug Ruby. Doug flies big airplanes, 737s and bigger, for a major airline. Because of the nature of his employment, we're uh, really not uh, naming the airline or laying on that aspect of uh, why he's here. Why he's here is Doug, um, I booked him at about, oh, I don't know, 9 o'clock Eastern Time this morning because of somebody that sent me a fax and said, Art, it's guaranteed to blow your mind. You've got to get Doug Ruby or try to get him. He is uh, author of a book called The Gift, The Crop Circles Deciphered. And so I picked up the phone and I called his publisher. His publisher gave me his number and I thought, what the heck, I'll give it a try. And I called, and Doug was just waking up in Florida at about 9-something in the morning, and we talked for a while about crop circles. And um, at that time, I had no idea how he had deciphered them, nor did I want to take the time, uh, because I wanted to discover it here on the air, and boy, have I been doing that. Now, uh, synchronicity. Not only do I get the facts, not only does he get a facts about me, but I then call him within hours, within hours, mind you, and then tonight, about an hour before airtime, <laughs> this gets deep, folks, I got a fax uh, from, and I, you know, I'm not sure what I've done with it. Here it is, um, Deborah in Santa Barbara. Love to have you on, Deborah, if you can get through, um, which simply says, wow, hi, Art and Ramona. Check out the latest crop circle at Stonehenge. You can see a photo at the Crop Circle Connector website. The words that popped into my mind immediately upon viewing it were, Tree of Life, signed Deborah in Santa Barbara. It was about an hour before airtime, okay? So, of course, I pick up the phone and call my webmaster, Keith Rowland, and I say, quick, Keith, get over to the Connector website and see if you can download this, please. And so he went over there and, of course, got it. Um, and it is astounding. It's in, a, obviously, a new crop at this time of year would be green. And I've got the man who can tell you what this is. And what we're going to do is briefly back up in a moment, and we're going to have Doug explain exactly how he deciphered uh, crop circles and if you stick with it and listen for a moment, you'll get to the point that I got to, and you'll go, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> so he is the first person who has come along, in my opinion, and told us what crop circles really are, and they are a gift. We'll get to Doug in a moment. <laughs> Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. 
Give me your perspective on where you think this is heading worldwide. Is this all leading to a one-world government, a new world order, in order to contain what could very well be a planetary-wide uprising? Well, yes, the governments are preying on the poor people. You know, in most countries, the government is usually controlled by wealthy people. You're seeing very much a situation that's set up to create a violent overthrow of countries. Now, we take you back to the past on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. The kinds of faxes I'm getting say things like, wow, and astounding, and things I can't repeat on the air. (laughs) Uh, Doug, I think that you connected uh, with a lot of people out there. Welcome back. Thanks. Um, Doug, let's try this uh, one more time, the simple form. You tried to figure out what crop circles were. And um, in doing so, you explained that you went to, what was it, SeaWorld or one of those places where they trained dolphins? Oh, no, here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was there in Vegas. And asked, um, asked how they, what process they used to train dolphins. And they start out, of course, with the uh, the simplest of commands or communication, some sort of hand signal that will eventually cause the dolphin to understand what you want it to do. And you correct me if I'm wrong here. And then they proceed uh, to more complex hand signals so that um, uh, slowly the trainer and the dolphin, uh, again with synchronicity, uh, begin to, effect, in effect, communicate with each other. That's correct. And I thought, uh-oh, he's going to say this has something to do with dolphins. <laughs> um, but no, indeed not. That was only a primer uh, so that we might understand your approach to deciphering crop circles. Now, by the way, folks, his book is called The Gift, The Crop Circles Deciphered. Now, um in doing that, you said you took a crop circle from 1991, and you described it this way to me. You said, put a dot in the middle of the paper, draw a circle, a wide circle around that dot, and then draw uh, two half circles that do not connect. And you went through this whole business of trying to figure out what this might mean, you eventually ended up uh, spinning these. In other words, these um, crop circles are meant to spin. So that is when you understand them. And obviously, if you draw out what I, what I just described and you spin it, you end up with, and this was one of the simplest crop circles, as you would begin with a dolphin, you end up with a circle within a circle where there was none before. That's correct. And you rigged up a whole box and stuff to, um, with a, using a fan motor and a rheostat to control the RPMs, and not each one of the crop circles um, begins to become meaningful at the same RPM, which, which means what, um, do you think, Doug? Are we dealing, is it a matter of, RPM relates to frequency, does it not? It does, Art. Uh, what you got to understand here is when we're talking about these models, 
And what you've just described is, is we're just starting here with the basics. But when you get into the, uh, the pictograms, the insectograms, these other complex models, uh, now, you, now you're dealing with a little ship. But you can't really see what it's, it's doing until it's spun. And at a certain speed, uh, this thing becomes uh, three-dimensional. It, it looks solid. And at that point, and not only that, but you have spheres uh, that are attached to the shaft or about the ship as it spins that create fields. In other words, they, then they now become a blur around it that uh, you can now see fields around the ship that, of course, you can see right through them. And by doing this, information is, is revealed to you that you would never see unless you spun it. You, you would never even guess what it's doing. And, and that becomes uh, absolutely amazing. You know, when I hit, when I hit the, the one insectogram with the ladder on it and I spun that sucker and I saw this magnificent field below the ship, uh, I, I don't know, I, I just got goosebumps all over. I said, I've done it. I mean, you know, this is... This is definitely, and I could, you can feel it, and you, and you can see it uh, here when you know when you look at the photographs. And I'll be happy to, to send you a video on it. I've already got one, and uh, the folks can look at it and see for themselves. All and right, I, um, Doug. I want to ask you first of all if you can uh, send me that video. Yeah. No yeah. Um, I. I um, can give you a. Do you have an address? Did I give you my address earlier? No, we can. All right, we'll do that on a break. Sure. Um, in the meantime, folks, what Doug is saying is that what we have been getting since when would you estimate? 1990. The crop circle started in Earth in uh, probably 1989. In 1990, it really busted loose with uh, over a thousand. Around a thousand in uh, 1990 and 91. There is a little catch to that in that the English didn't really know how to how to count these things because every time there was a sort of call an add-on, in other in other words, maybe another circle would appear the next day or in a week, and then maybe something else would appear, and they might add on to these things for four or five days, uh-huh. and so they would count each add-on as a new crop circle. So the count is really not a a definite one. It, it might have only been, let's say, let's say there were 400. Okay. Okay, that's a lot. This is still this is still an awesome number. Yeah. It sure is. Um, now they have appeared all over the world, but they have appeared. Uh, they seem to be uh, most prolific uh, in Great Britain. Correct. In any a, any idea why? Yes, they are uh, mainly in Wilshire County, and in that area, uh, let's say. Uh, 80 mile uh, circumference of uh, Wilshire area, and in that uh, geographic area is where Stonehenge is uh, located, where Avebury is located, where Silbury Hill is located, and many other ancient uh, megalithic sites. And uh, when you take into consideration that Stonehenge was created about the same time or previous to uh, the Cheops Pyramid or the Great Pyramid, we're talking somewhere around five. Five to six thousand years ago is when they date this, the, the building of this, which co- comprised a, uh, a time period of a hundred years. This thing wasn't done. Uh, Stonehenge was not built overnight. Uh, these are, as everyone knows, are gigantic blocks of rock weighing many, many tons. So, uh, you're, you're connecting this to. 
uh, to the pyramids. Well, yes, the pyramids do have something to play with this, especially with the energy. As we talked about before, geometry equals frequency, frequency equals energy. Put those in any any way you uh, any sequence you want. I don't care. I'm just I'm just telling you that what we call sacred geometry or platonic geometry uh, in a three D state. And if you take, stop drawing them on paper, pick them up in a three dimensional form. When these are spun and you place them within each other in specific in a specific manner, they will create energy. Well, and without your uh, going back to the beginning, the first crop circles, uh, to begin to try to decipher them in the manner that you have now obviously, you know, I don't, I don't want to say stumbled into, and in fact, we'll get, I guess, into that, how you, you, um, you were driven into this, weren't you? I, I mean, you remember, folks, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when the fellow sat there making the image of the mashed potato, with the mashed potatoes, just about everybody remembers that, and he was compelled to do it. You were, in the same way, compelled to try and decipher crop circles. How did that begin? It was uh, about the last five or six days of 1993, just after Christmas, uh, in between there and New Year's. And it was, uh, this came out of nowheres. Uh, about 91, when we all heard about the crop circles were hoaxes, I dropped my interest as well. Then, uh, during that period of 1993, it was a feeling, I wake up one morning and say, you know, I ought to look at crop circles. And it was the same thing that many of you out there have had in saying, you know, I ought to call my mother today. Yeah. And that day you think about once through that day. The second day, you're thinking about it five times. By the sixth or, uh, sixth or seventh day there, we're at, we're at uh, December 31st, and uh, it's just New Year's Eve, and uh, I cannot wait. To go, the only thing I can think of is getting to the bookstore and hoping there's one open on on New Year's Day <laughs> in Melbourne, Florida. And there was, and they had one book on crop circles there. And I rushed home and read the thing. And this is not exactly uh, what my soulmate here wanted me to do on New Year's Day, but uh, that that is what happened. Uh, By I, the way, uh, how how have you done with your soulmate? I, I can understand that um, she'd probably be sitting there at that point saying to herself. Okay, honey, uh, whatever you want to do. You're absolutely right. Poor Jeannie has taken a beating here. She has never, uh, she just doesn't see this. Uh, she's not tremendously interested in it. And uh, it's been a wild thing for all along, especially when I almost did not, for another synchronicity, after this happened, I did not fly almost for January, February, and March at all. You didn't? I, I did not. Just things happened right along the way that I hardly went to work, and I had nothing to do with it. But uh, I, I was just day and night doing this. Now I, you, now you didn't go to work specifically because this was hitting you. No, I, it just happened. It just happened. I was on uh, what they call reserve at the time. I was bidding that, and they just didn't call me. I had a little vacation in there. Um, had one. Uh, Two-day trip, and they said, and they just never called me again. It just happened. I, it wasn't that I was ignoring my job at all. And it was during that. It's like you were just given the time. Yet something happened. I I can't. I'm not. Uh, I I just can't tell you. Art. I don't know. And during that time, I did nothing but this, and I and I that this is all I've done since 
that be, that began in early late '93 and through '94. Got the book out in very late '95. November we had it in our hands. It really wasn't on the market until '95. Um, how did your publisher accept it? Uh, when you went shopping for a publisher, I mean, you completed the book. I can understand you. You were absolutely driven to write the book. However, um, I can also understand that a lot of publishers would, would look at something like that and go, huh? You're right. Uh, and what happened here was I read a couple books on publishing, et cetera, and quickly understood that if I took it to a major publisher, they're going to change it on me. And that was totally unacceptable. And I said, okay, I've got to finance this. And uh, we'll do as good a run we can, and we're going to make a, a good product here. And I asked uh, my carpenter, who I, I, I met through, don't ask me, but when I met Al, I'm, I'm just wandering around. I'm in a warehouse area down in Melbourne, and uh, never been there before, but was directed by a couple of fellows in a hardware store. Yes. And I was heading for one shop there, and uh, here's a fellow standing outside this little stall next to him having a smoke, and I said, well, they're busy there. I'll just talk to this guy. So I did, and uh, explained what I was doing. I said, you know, do you have this this type of saw, and do you, can you got a lathe, et cetera, you can make this stuff for me. In other words, we're talking about the device that would spin. No, I'm talking about making the wooden models. The wooden models. All I, right. want the, I want somebody to make the models for me. I can't buy all these saws and things and put them in, uh, in, in my house, okay? So... After this is all done, he says, sure, I can do this. Love to. He said, uh, by the way, what are we making? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And he blew me away. I I had to think about this for probably 30 seconds, and I said, what the hell? I'm going to tell him the truth. I said, it's UFOs. And he said to me, just as fast as I said it, he said, you're right on time. And I go, I oh, beg I, your pardon? You're right on time. You're right on time. And I said I, to myself, I really don't need this. And uh, <laughs> I, at this point, oh, and uh, I thanked him. I said, I'll be back. And that's how Al and I met each other. We are uh, extremely close. And what happened is at the time, what I'm leading up to is at the time that I, I needed a publisher, I decided I'm going to self-publish. I told Al because he knew a lot of people in the community. I said, Al, look around for me. See if you can, uh, if you come up with a publisher around here. But I don't want anybody near the Cape. That's the only requirement I have. I don't want anything. I don't want to be near near the government or near the Cape at all. Uh-huh. Well, through happenstance, friend, a friend, et cetera, who had just gotten a job with this publisher, and uh, the two of them got together, and he and Al calls him and says, "I got him," and he did. And Paul was the man. Uh, this whole group that worked with me, I didn't know any of these gentlemen before it started. They all, I would just start looking and. Asking here and there just a very little bit, and boom, they were there. And the, the, we're very close right now. Uh, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. Paul is, uh, my publisher, is uh, extremely tuned up and has done an absolutely gorgeous job on this. And that, that, at any rate, that, that's the story on how that happened. Okay. Uh, so the book has been published. It is, is it yet available? It's available. But uh, when you self-publish, it... Uh, as you are well aware, I'm sure, uh, it costs a lot of money to market something like this. It has gone out uh, around the world through, say, uh, Nexus Magazine's done a lot. I've got a couple of uh, 
major distributors that distribute here and there. You can order it. Uh, they, folks can order it through uh, Barnes and Noble or any place to, uh, to staff for the gift, or I can give them the ISBN number. You can just call Paul, and uh, he'll mail it to you. All right. Well, you know, earlier today I was saying to myself, why the hell haven't I heard of this guy? Yeah, it's just because the marketing is tough. It's it's really tough uh, marketing it, and the bookstores uh, they just got a ton of books coming out all the all well, the time. Well, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people uh, attempt to talk about crop circles, and they talk about fractals, and they talk about this and that, what they think it might be. But you're the first one who has come along and actually made me understand what they really are, and what they are is a construction manual for a ship. That's, is, th that does not misstate it, does it? No, not at all. All right, Doug, hold on. We'll be right back. My guest is Doug Ruby. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. This comes under the oh my god category. I've got a guest who has deciphered crop circles. His name is Doug Ruby. He's a commercial airline pilot. He flies the big ones. He took a, a sort of a fortuitous leave of absence from his employment some time ago and figured out crop circles. I just got a fax. This says it pretty well. I think. I think Doug will like this. Art from the first of this century. Any recording device, tape recorders, film, video, records, 33, 45, 78, all involve spinning or rotating. And I'll add, even the CD you're listening to right now. What, uh, what art makes better sense than to spin or rotate these, meaning crop circles, 
to get a message. It makes so much sense. It works. Think about it. Every device we have that imparts information spins. Anyway, we'll get back to Doug in a moment. Uh, this is really incredible stuff, folks. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. Some things I believe are meant to happen, and I think Doug Ruby is meant to be here this morning. He is. Doug, welcome back. I'm getting a whole, um, just all kinds of faxes, but the one that really hit me between the eyes was the one that I just read. Nearly every uh, device we have that imparts information spins, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, again, going back, how did you, how did you, <laughs> how did you first decide? to spin these things. I mean, you know, now that we hear about it, it's like, aha, uh -huh, simple concept, I understand that, but um, before that moment of discovery, it's not simple. It's not simple at all. Um, so how did you get there? Do you want me to talk about the dolphins a bit, or we we passed that? Um, well, in a way, I guess we're past that. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, how did you get from the dolphins and the simplicity to the spinning? Okay. Uh, the, the dolphin show indicated to me, because no one had even come close to deciphering these things, it, it, the mystery was uh, it was around the world at that time, uh, and no one knew what was going on. And I said, why hasn't anyone touched this thing? And I made the analogy here on the planet and said, a dolphin show. They're all looking at all of these crop circles at once, all this profusion of uh, formations. And a dolphin show, the trainer and a dolphin, it takes years for them to get to the point from working from basics on up to where they can put on this complex show. And I said, I must look, just as the dolphins and the trainers start began, with the simple. And from there, I found the very simplest, formation than I could. And this was just a, a circular formation, a ring formed in the wheat or, or in the grain and uh, with a, a center, uh, let's call it a dot, uh, circle in the solid center, solid center circle in it and then two rings on the outside uh, that were uh, split. In other words, half a ring on one side, half of it on the other and it was a gap between it. Right. Okay, and I, I looked at this thing, I, I picked it up I said, well, what do I do with it now? And I wanted to flop it on the table and spin it, but it's not going to spin because it's a flat piece of cardboard. So I just glued a button to the back of it, so I made a little top out of it, 
and flipped it on the table. And when I did that, the ring's connected because it's spinning. And I said, are they trying to communicate? I mean, what else can I do with this thing? It's so simple. And I said, that's what they're trying to tell me, spin it. So from, from that simple little crop circle, I learned to, that I'm supposed to spin them. And the, the formations were additive as we went along in the progression through them that the information, one little piece of information added on to the other. And right, right after that, I went into a, a, another a very simple formation, only this circle had an appendage on it. And now I couldn't spin it at the top because it was off balance. I said, well, I better, I, I need to attach a shaft to it. So I just went out and bought some dowels and, uh, wooden dowels and, uh, glued one on the back of this thing and, and spun it by rolling the dowel in my hand. This one I, I did, uh, had longer appendages on it and I, and this became cumbersome in my hand. So I, I built this little spinning machine to, to spin it in. And, uh, that, that did great. It was perfect. And from there I went on into the, the major pictograms and, what I had just learned there, they're supposed to be spun and put them on a shaft. But now I'm looking at an Alton Barnes. This thing is uh, four or 500 feet in length. The football field is 300 foot in length. These things are gigantic. Very similar to the one that uh, just came to us tonight from uh, Stonehenge, uh, the one we've got up on the website right now, about similar size, about a football field. Uh, a little, yeah, about a football field and a half. I think we just talked about that. That thing is about uh, 500 feet in diameter. All right. If you stood in that formation, you would not know what it is from the ground. You have to take an aerial view, or you do not know what it is. Uh, can you can you guess for me at about what altitude uh, the airplane took the photograph we've got up on the website right now? This this current one, this new one. What altitude would yield this image? Um, anywhere from four to five hundred feet. Four to five hundred. So you've got to be pretty low. Yeah, you're pretty. You're pretty low. Okay. Um, and and of course they're at an angle with this thing. You couldn't do that at four hundred feet from directly over it. I don't believe the right. camera's not going to capture it all. Right. Uh, to proceed on here, the uh, the pictograms are large, uh, and and from these I, I I understood immediately that I'm supposed to rotate the disc ninety degrees. And then when they come together, if you pushed all of these on, on, a, on this post that they're on together, they form a little ship. And then I would, I would place this assembled ship, uh, glue together, uh, on the spinning machine and spin it, and then it would, then it would reveal what it was supposed to reveal. And this was the high point of all the work, was when that thing spun, I just sit there and go, wow. In other words, you, actually took a compilation of these crop circles um, and you put them together and spun them and what you ended up with how many crop circles were involved in that experiment now you, in all but the first one you're, you're spinning one 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 formation right. this is a pictogram it's a complex structure yes okay? sir yes sir and this makes a little model, and it's on a it's on a dowel, it's on a, a central post, and I would spin this. And when I do spin it, it becomes three dimensional. And because there are spheres located about the model and about the about the vertical post, uh, when they spin, they form fields, and sometimes fields within fields. In other words, you can see right through them, but uh, they they look. In other words, it. it <laughs> 
it's a blur. Uh, but you can, as I said, it, it looks almost uh, electromagnetic um, in nature. They they become free. Uh, it's eerie to watch these things. In 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 the final model that you got that yeah. became a ship, how yeah. how many of these were involved? Oh, about six to eight. I'm I'm guessing here. These are of the early ones, yes? Yes. 90, 90, uh, 90, 91. All right. There's a lot of uh, water and crop circles under the bridge since 90 and 91. So Correct. if we were getting the early models uh, of the ship uh, in those years, what have we been getting since? There's been a smattering of a small smattering of formations that deal with Biology, astronomy, uh, our our uh, solar system, and uh, somewhat a little bit with communication. Communication. Uh, aside from that, uh, we're looking at the ship. We're looking at uh, after after ninety ninety one and and maybe a few in ninety two. The rest have all been basically addressing the ship, and by that the the large pictograms disappeared, and now we started to get just uh, circular patterns, very complex, or in 96, these unbelievable gigantic formations, which uh, are, deal with fractal geometry as is what people are looking at them at, uh, since the Julia set in the triple-armed spiral. These things are gigantic in size. Yeah, oh, yes. But... Uh, they actually de they actually deal with the ship, and we're and everything in here is with the power plant. They're they're showing us how the power plant operates. What they're giving us is they're giving us an intergalactic spaceship that can also run around uh, on the electromagnetic field of the Earth or the grid lines, and they're giving us a power plant for free energy that is does not need any fuel whatsoever. I had uh, you're not you've you've never really listened to my program, have you? No. I'm sorry. All right. That's quite all right. Uh, you need not apologize. Um, I had Stan Tennant on uh, the other night, and I just got a fax that said, all right, this sounds an awful lot like Stan Tennant's 3D hyperspins, et cetera, mega convergence uh, going on a lot lately on your program. Thank you, Nick. Um, and that's exactly what he was talking about uh, with respect to um, what some people call zero-point energy, Yes. Um, call it tachyon energy, call it zero-point energy. You're taking, you're basically taking an energy that's all around us all the time. We can't detect it because it has, it's weightless. Or a man named Richard Hoagland would call it hyperdimensional. Uh, it, it's I, don't, a, I don't care what you call it. It's, yeah. it, it, it. it's here, but we can't detect it because we live in it. Uh, and, it, and, it and it floats around like clouds, so to speak. And the fellows that have been working on free energy machines have made one big mistake with them. And that is that they'll go in their lab in the morning, they'll crank this thing up, and uh, some days it just works really nice, uh, and then other days it freezes up. By freeze up, I'm, I mean it uh, doesn't work. They actually get ice on it. And other days it, it heats up and, and almost burns up, and they're going, what's going on? And what's going on is they're, they're not, they don't have a control mechanism on the device. And that control mechanism, well, it's a it's a... I, I'm not doing this. I'm not in this. But if, if they placed a rod of uh, a crystal rod 
inside their, their central axle and move this in and out. Yes. Okay, and they better attach it really well because it's going to go through the wall if they don't. Uh, they can now use this as a control because uh, a crystal is solidified energy. And uh, crystals are very important in, in not only what I'm doing, but what, what they're doing, and, and they're very close. Okay, uh, again, this, this, uh, this new photograph we've got, when, uh, thank God, about ten minutes before broadcast, your wife, who, your soulmate, who is obviously supportive of you and the computer person in the family, managed to get the photograph. And when you looked at it, you said, this is a crystal. No, it's, it's, a, or a, it's crystalline. a crystalline structure. It's a crystalline structure. But, again, we go back to geometry, frequency, energy. And if you vibrated through uh, magnets, electromagnets on the bottom of a pan and had dust, uh, uh, iron dust in that pan. When you hit the, the uh, harmonic from the various frequencies you're vibrating these specific magnets at, it uh -huh. would form this formation in the pan. And you can look in the pan and see that formation and match it with this one. And what I'm saying to you is, is they're giving us not only the machine, but they're giving us the frequencies and the harmonics at which to use this power plant because we're using spinning geometry and we're using frequencies and we're creating energy. There is no combustion of any sort. We're using this energy of the creator. Wow. I call it tachyon energy, but tachyon energy is misused so much. These are just names. Uh, I think they are all the same thing. This, as you point out, this energy that is all around us, that some call free energy or free energy machines or whatever. Other people call zero-point energy. Uh, yeah. There's lots and lots of it's names. It's the same thing. It's all the same thing. And yeah. these are instructions. These, yeah. At least these particular crop circles are instructions on how to use it. It's the power plant. They're giving us the entire power plant. You can use it in a ship or you can, uh, you can put it in a box. I would say a a box the size of, uh, I'm guessing here, I'm going to say put four orange crates next to each other and the power plant that could fit in that could supply power to New York City. It might be able to do more than that. I have n really no idea. I just know that the power here is incredible. And what they're doing out there with it now, they're just touching it. And, one of the, one of, and of course, all these machines spin again. What they're doing here is, 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 is spinning... Uh, some uh, uh, superconducting, uh, superconducting uh, materials that are magnetized and uh, fooling around with this uh, in that area with it. This oh. thing works in the same way, but it's the entire, it's the whole thing just laid out for you. Okay. Um, Doug, somebody has written me an obvious question. Um, if these um, beings are so bright, so brilliant, why are they providing us with such an obscure message in such an obscure way? Why not just land and drop the plans on the ground? Oh, I could kiss that person. Thank you so much for asking that question. I was—I uh, really wanted to ask, uh, answer uh, or say this. Go right ahead. Why, why, uh, why the crop circles? Exactly for that reason. Why don't they just come down and say hello? Well, folks, the beings of the light have shown up. And Art, where you are out there, you're around Area 51, aren't you? 
OS. I think they have tour buses that go through there every day, don't they? You can go through the whole thing. Well, no, 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 not tour buses. <laughs> now, if it. you go to the VFW up the street here in Pahrump, Nevada, at about 4.30 or 5 in the morning, you will see bus. The government doesn't even admit Area 51 exists, but, I, I know what you're but they do. They've got buses up there, and on the side of the bus, um, Doug, it says Area 51, and that's where they pick up the employees and take them up to this place that does not exist. Okay. Uh, what I'm getting at here is, is, and I'm, we're going to walk right by these folks. We don't need it. Uh, but the extraterrestrials they're working with, you've got to be an idiot if you don't, can't understand, understand that they are working with some extraterrestrials. Uh, they're, uh, they're regressive nature, uh, negative nature. But in contrast to the secrecy going on there, here we have formations being created in fields of magnificent structure, of extreme detail. And nothing is hurt. Not, not one grain of uh, one stalk of grain is harmed. It's just gently bent. That's true. Tremendous respect for our planet, for everything, right down to uh, a single uh, stalk of grain. Okay. The, this is these are messages of intent, and this goes on and on. We can talk about that. But what is the bottom line for the crop circles? And what they're doing is in giving us these gifts is that they're, they're raising our knowledge. And when we all or most of the world understands have received these gifts, the consciousness of humanity, the mass consciousness, will increase. So instead of dumping all of this communication upon us at once, Doug, they are, as the trainer does with the dolphin, beginning with the simplistic forms of communication. Exactly. And what you're seeing here is you're seeing some, some folks, like I said, of the light that are extremely polite. They have an ethical standard that would blow us away. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. I mean, if you tried to give a dolphin a hand single signal to jump through a, a, a hoop, a dolphin that had never been uh, trained, uh, you would get absolute zero in response um, so in that same sense then they're beginning with us with the simplistic and uh, expecting us to catch on and Doug you're the first one I know that's caught on relax we'll be back and we will get the phone lines opened I hope you all are going aha as I have been isn't this something the trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM more Somewhere in Time coming up.
are listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. I've got the man who has figured out crop circles. The book he wrote is called The Gift, The Crop Circles Deciphered. He is a commercial airline pilot named Doug Ruby. He still flies, so we're not going to talk a lot about that aspect of uh, his career because he would like to keep it, and you can't blame him. He flies the uh, the big planes, 737s and on up, and that's all we'll say about that. This man has got it, folks. I feel it. I know it. Intuitively, I know it. It all makes sense. Crop circles are meant to be spun, to be rotated. Before you can understand them, you spin them. When you do, <laughs> what you've got are the plans uh, uh, for a ship, a spaceship, a saucer. In the later crop circles, what you have are plans for the power plant. Uh, a power plant that would utilize energy uh, that some call zero point. Uh, there are many, many names for it. Energy that is all about us. Uh, in a moment, I've got a surprise for you. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nouri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to on radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future, and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take, and you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. Like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning or 
some half-forgotten reel, like the images you find in the windmills of your mind. The more I think about this, the synchronicities in themselves resonate with a gut feeling that he, my guest, Doug Ruby, is exactly right. He has figured out crop circles. They are a message. Um, once again, I'm going to bring Doug uh, back on the air. Doug, are you there? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Doug, I've got somebody who wants to say a couple of words. You may or may not know him or ever have heard of him. His name is Richard Hoagland. He was a uh, science advisor to Walter Cronkite. He advised NASA at one time and um, has won the uh, Engstrom Science Award. And he's been listening to you in Manhattan this morning. And uh, I think he had the same kind of experience I did as he listened. Richard, are you there? I am here. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Richard, and congratulations. I'm quite familiar with you, and I've well, read your book. congratulations yourself. You know, someone tried to give me your book uh, months and months and months ago, and I took a look at either a, an advertisement or something, and I said at that point, oh, my God, I've got to look at this. He's on to it. And then because so much stuff comes in and we don't have staff, it, it disappeared. So tonight, I'm about to go to bed. It's been a very hectic week, and I've been up very late listening to this guy named Bell who keeps having these people on, and they talk about all kinds of stuff. And the phone rings. And it's this guy named Bell saying, nope, you can't go to bed. You've got to stay up and listen to this one. So here I am by the computer, droopy-eyed, going through some of my mail over in Enterprise, and I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm saying, oh, my God, it's, it's the guy. And, of course, you, you've got it. I think he's got it, folks. <laughs> and it, it, it really tickles me because, of course, the key is rotation. But if I may make one small caveat, it's not just about ships. It's about everything. Absolutely. Because this is an energy mechanism. It's a vehicle transport. It's a keys to the kingdom that can be applied to everything from vehicles all the way up to probably planets and beyond. Absolutely. And there's some very interesting connections in that regard of the crop circles with things that look suspiciously like planets and the moon, et cetera, et cetera. And that's part of some of the quiet work we've been looking at, you know, that we may get to someday to talk about. But there is a tremendous convergence here. Earlier in the week, um, Art had a gentleman named Gene Maloff on, former chief science writer at MIT, uh, who was previewing an ABC um, uh, telecast earlier this week on Wednesday of a so-called free energy technology and a technology which could radically reduce in the space of a couple of hours radioactivity from uranium-235 or 238, I guess, uh, that would have taken billions of years to do. And it was literally done on a time-lapse camera. This physics, this technology that someone, and I, I really think you're exquisitely right about the gift, is trying to provide in the most crystal clear prime directive, Gene, are you listening, uh, mechanism, is precisely right in terms of which side of the force we're talking about. And it is so antithetical to the paranoia, the fear, the weirdness, the woo-woo factor, all the nonsense of UFOs is exemplified in the exact opposite in these incredible artistic and overwhelmingly affirming formations that are so democratically available and someone you know the person that you want to kiss the person who asked that question sure. if they landed on the white house lawn and gave it to us it wouldn't mean anything we have to be part of the equation we have to be figuring it out we must be a participant and what are we doing this? we're doing that richard we're that's exactly what's going people. on 
and that's why it's the right thing to go on, and that's why I'm losing more sleep. Somebody named Sean in Yucca Valley sent the following. Perhaps crop circles are a cosmic IQ test for the human race. If we succeed in deciphering the symbolism, we're rewarded with the secret of interstellar propulsion. If we fail, who knows? Well, let me amplify. If we succeed, we're rewarded with our future. If we fail, I really fear for what's going to happen. This is not just an IQ test. This is kind of are we going to pass the bar exam and go on to matriculate. There's some big-time stuff coming up, and somebody wants us to get with the program, and they want us to reach for it so that when we get it, it's ours. It, we've internalized it. We own it. It isn't totally a gift. We have to work for it. You're exactly you're correct there, and not only that, but a human is going to introduce this introduce this to humans. Yep. And by taking this long period of time here, we're seeing a tremendous patience and politeness and consideration from these beings. And well, it's a respect for who we really exactly. are. Exactly. And the thing that has bothered me so much about a lot of the UFO stuff, which is why I stay light years away from it, except tonight is that so much of the so-called contact material, the channel material, the, the whatever you want to call it, has an incredible, whining, manipulative tone to it. Yes. The thing that is so strikingly different about what's been appearing in England and in other parts of the world is that it just sits there. You can appreciate it aesthetically. You can go lie down in it. Or you can, you know, do numbers and geometry and analyses, or you can have this incredible conceptual leap, which you had, which is really, I mean, I, I gotta take my hat off to you. It was an, an astonishing leap to, to figure out the code key to spin these things to make them 3D, like Nick's message regarding Stan Tenen's stuff. If you don't know about Stan Tenen's material, yeah. I heartily recommend you to the Meru Foundation website. The point is, there is a total different feeling tone and coming from me, I'm sure that's going to raise some eyebrows from some folks out there, <laughs> to the crop circle, quote, message. It's the same kind of tone we get in the message of Sidonia, in the geometry, the identical geometry that we have found on Mars and on the moon in the, in the artifacts. And there's a consistency here, which, by the way, is going to continue because, as Art knows, we've been playing around with a certain piece of NASA video and not next week when I'm on to talk about some new breakthroughs on another part of this, but in the next couple, three weeks, sometime hopefully before Roswell, we will have some things to say about the STS-80 tape, and lo and behold, there is a consistency there which echoes some of yes, your decoding in the, in, in the crops in England. There sure as hell is, because that would be the technology that would be demonstrated in the video, wouldn't it, Richard? Yep. Now, messages to be received, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, have to be redundant. The core of communication is you can't trust that by the time your message gets to your intended receiver, right. noise has not interfered. Right. So echoing what our friend tonight has been talking about many years ago, starting back in 88 when my friend uh, at ABC went to England as part of the ABC crew, and actually took some photographs of the crop circles and sent them to me. And I started asking the question myself, how can there be two different phenomena on two separate worlds, meaning the ruins and then this inexplicability in England, and then not possibly have some commonality, some common theme? So I started quietly looking at the numbers. And in those days, you know, I mean, this is like, you know, the dark ages, 
no one was doing surveys and surveying of crop circles. For one thing, they were circles back then, remember? Sure. Very simple. That's exactly what Doug said. Yep. They Uh, started very, very, very simple. Yeah. But no one was walking them off, measuring them, using theodolites, using any surveyors, transits, anything. So getting real accurate numbers is very difficult. And finally, there was one, I think it was Cheesefoot Head, which was the one that we cracked, the first one, and it appears in monuments. Uh, And that one turned out to have what I call tetrahedral numbers, meaning sacred geometry numbers. And because those numbers were the same as those we'd found out from measuring geometry at the ruins on Mars, to me, there was, you know, that, aha, and I said, okay, it's somebody trying to tell us the same stuff. But Doug I, has again, have to take my hat off. Yeah, Doug put I, the final I piece. Leap. I did not leap to this incredible breakthrough, which is it had to be raised in 3D and rotated, and then the whole thing makes sense. God, it makes sense. It, it, it's just it's, it's a major aha. I, I really appreciate that, Rich. I have a present for you. Uh, what yes. I'm seeing here, what I've been seeing, uh, you know, it blows me away. We haven't mentioned it yet tonight. But what they did with this power plant is they... They took what they saw in nature in our solar system as the planets turn. If you took these elliptical orbits and made them circular, and a fellow has already run all this uh, out for you, and, and uh, I, I've been reading his material, what they've done is they've duplicated nature they've, and done it synthetically. And what you're looking at with your material dovetails with this power plant, believe it or not. See, when you say power plant, for a lot of people, they're thinking, you know, ships, airplanes, and obviously, given your, your current profession and background, you'd be thinking in terms of that. When I'm thinking power plant, I'm thinking, you know, prime movers, uh, first causes. I'm thinking of a physics that runs the universe yes. by which the solar system operates. Yes. And there is, by the way, a rather remarkable correspondence in terms of sizes, dimensions, ratios, and numbers of the solar system with the things we found at Sidonia, with the things you found in the crop circles, with the things that you found. And all that is trying to tell us a, I believe, meta-message. There's nothing small or trivial about this. And I'm extraordinarily pleased to, uh, to be asked to be on to, to basically thank you in person. I appreciate the compliment coming from you. It's a tremendous honor. Richard, um, as, uh, we're going to end this now, but uh, you're going to be here... Tuesday Next night. Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. My, my birthday, by the way. On, well, we picked that specifically. <laughs> we have a major new breakthrough and a major set of predictions for some pretty astonishing things that we think are going to happen on the NASA front in about the next two to two and a half weeks. And we're going to give the background. We've got time to do it. We're going to put it on the web. That's what I have to finish doing. We're going to lay out all the, the I's and dot the T's, and, or dot the I's and cross the T's, so people can follow the process. But this is going to be, I believe, a breakthrough summer in many directions, yes. and a part of it we're going to be able to talk about next week. All right. Uh, that's enough of a tease. Uh, I appreciate your coming on this morning, Richard. Uh, but Can I go to bed now? You can go to bed now. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, good night. Uh, I thought that that was important to do. Uh, Doug, because Richard, uh, Richard's work and your work spin together. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, I I would like to uh, begin to allow the audience to start to ask questions, uh, but there there are so many questions coming in from uh, facts. People asking about other ways this might be done. For example, 
Uh, please ask Doug if there's any reason why a quarter-inch or three-eight-inch variable speed drill couldn't be used as a spinning device. Many people have a drill motor in their home now. Uh, the, the problem with that is uh, you could use a drill, but the thing is, is stabilizing this thing and mounting it to the, to the drill. You could put it in the drill bit and spin it. Uh, if you, you know, had a stand that you could place the, the drill bit in, you could do it. It'd be a little a little slow, but uh, it it would work. One other question: You're not the computer expert in the family, uh, but this is a good question. Uh, Art, just a thought: Can you put a crop circle on a computer screen and make it spin? Yes, you can. You can? Yes, you can. Uh, that was done. Uh, well, we've done it, uh, but the uh, we don't have uh, access to the real good hardware, which is quite expensive. It was done in England at, in Glastonbury last year by uh, Michael Glickman, who spun uh, about three of them uh, like that. Had a good friend in uh, London that uh, that was uh, where, what he worked in and uh, ran the thing out for him. What you have to do is draw it, draw it on the screen, and then uh, use the software to spin it. And that has been done, but they can't. All right, suffer, trust suffer. me when I tell you, we've got a lot of really heavy-duty computer people listening right now to us. And uh, if there is not existent uh, software, uh, they will come up with it quickly. <laughs> uh, well, I can also tell you this: is that uh, when Fred, who is my uh, CAD man, uh, who did all the all the diagrams in the book, as we went through these, and of course they're all in color on the on the screen. Uh, assigned colors, we just went, and the crispness of it, uh, we just went, you know, this stuff was intended to be in the computer. There is no doubt about that. Uh, and from, from, it's just something we, of course, we can't do with a book, but, uh, you, you could definitely, you know, the software is out there to spin them on the screen. We've, we've already done that, but we don't, we can't put out anything where we can get them up to a good enough speed. Doug, are we on a timeline? You yeah. know, you, that, that fax that we got a little earlier, in other words, we're supposed to some sort of cosmic IQ test. Um, I have written a book myself called The Quickening, and uh, it suggests that human events, all areas of them, politics, um, social, economic, uh, environmental, everything is beginning to speed up at an exponential rate. And I can, I can feel in every part of my being that we are headed toward an event. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a, a prophet, so I don't know what that event is, but I just know that we are speeding our way toward an event. Yes. And sure. I think we're on some kind of timeline. You feel that? Absolutely. We're about to enter a period of revelations. And part of that is if you want to participate in, I mean, if we want to participate and have the light being, Excuse me, beings of the light here, we're going to have to put a, a place a lot more interest in these formations in the crop circles. And because what they want to do, and they're very polite and considerate folks, but they're not going to walk into your house unless they're invited. They're not going to come to this planet unless they're invited, and we have to invite them. And how you do that is you just say a little prayer and you invite them. Before you do that, you'd better understand what the information they're conveying, and that's that's what they're doing. And in giving us this time, to uh, decipher these formations 
a bonding process will take place. All right. Hold it right there, Doug. We'll be right back. Get a pencil and paper, everybody. When I come back, I'm going to tell you how to get my book, an autographed version of it. Time is short. And we'll tell you how to get uh, a Doug's book as well. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. You know, you've got to wonder, and I bet my guest does, we're going to ask him, why an airline pilot? Why would the gift, the understanding, the revelation come to an airline pilot? Huh. Some people might say, well, you know, he flies. He probably looked down and saw these formations wrong. I asked him about that. At the altitude he flies, you know, the big airplanes, you don't see them anyway. So that isn't where it came from. I wonder if he knows where it came from. We'll ask. And then we're going to go to the phones. So if you have questions, or you're as astonished as I am, and you just want to express that, you're welcome to call. My fax machine is burning up. In Time with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. Back now to my guest, and I'm going to first ask Doug uh, the question I promised to ask. Doug, um, you're a pilot, commercial pilot, uh, but that isn't where all this came from. And so I guess my question is, what's your best guess? I mean, why you? Well, I, I think I was, uh, and I don't mean to get flaky on the folks, but what I, as I look back on it, I think I was chosen. Uh, maybe my lifestyle, what I've done in my life, uh, the way I've handled myself. And the other thing was, is that I see is, I think 3D. Uh, it doesn't matter if you turn me upside down or which way. I can I can see things dimensionally immediately. In uh-huh. other words, I have a bird brain. <laughs> and uh, this has been a real attribute in dealing with with this phenomena. Um, I yeah, I guess different people have different uh, uh, different talents. Uh, uh, Doug, do you think there's anything in your background of flying that had anything at all to do 
with your ability to see this? Yes, because uh, as I mentioned before, the last half of this book uh, deals with it becomes a flight manual. I'm, I'm showing you how, uh, explaining how a, a saucer ship, this a saucer operates. We're going to we go into an ascent, descent, uh, lateral motion, longitudinal motion, angular motion, and hovering, and how it actually the machine does this. And you back that up with images. I, I, I take it in the book. Oh yeah, there's uh, I don't know, 72 photographs, about 57 diagrams in the book. Oh, okay. All right. Um, let me pause you one second and tell everybody uh, we're about to give you information on books. So, and then we're going to go to the phones. Uh, my book. I have written a book called The Quickening, uh, which I described a little while ago, and I'm like a rattlesnake that's rattling. I'm telling you right now, you cannot wait any longer because. Pretty soon, I'm going to stop uh, signing books. So if you've been procrastinating, stop now. It's the hardback version, 337 pages. It's called The Quickening. Uh, if you want an autographed first edition copy, I'm going to give you the number right now to order. Don't wait any longer because if you do, you're going to lose out. The number is one 800 8647991 that's 1 800 8647991 and uh, and now um Doug's book uh the gift the crop circles deciphered uh Doug is there a phone number people can call to get it that's the easiest yeah, the easiest is uh, Paul, uh, my publisher uh, with Blue Note Publications, has got an 800 number. Uh, I don't know if it's good in Canada, or, uh, but it's a 1-800-624-0401. They take credit cards and send it out the same day. Uh, yeah, they finally started doing that with my book, too. When you first get going, they get boggled down, and uh, I'm afraid your publisher is in for a real busy day uh, today. Um, so they will send it out the next day or if they get bogged down within days sure no, yeah we're very soon uh, he's, he's quick let me give him just a couple more numbers if somebody's out of the country all right let me repeat the number first it's 1-800-624-0401 okay and uh, I, uh, another uh, just a telephone number is 407-799-2583 2583 now are these 24-hour numbers? No, uh, they're there they're during the day. If you want to fax it in, it's uh, 799-1942. Fax is on 24 hours. Wait a eight. minute, wait a minute. Give me the fax number again, 799. It's 407-799-1942. All right. Um, you can just leave your address, and uh, if you want a credit card number, if you're extremely honest, to just uh, charge you for it and get the book out. All right. Uh, so within the uh, contiguous USA, probably Alaska and Hawaii, hopefully, 1-800-624-0401, or if that fails, or you're in Canada, area code 407-799-2583, or the fax number, area code 407-799-1942. We got that right? Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk to some people out there. Uh, on the wild card line, uh, you're on the air with Doug. Hello. Hi. How are you, Art? Okay. Uh, Doug, 
This is really fascinating. Uh, uh, would you speak up for us good and loud and tell us where you are? Uh, I'm in Waco, Texas. Waco, all right. And uh, I was listening to you, and I was wondering if anyone had drawn any similarities here between uh, what you're discussing and uh, Carl Sagan's book, Contact, except for the means of uh, the, the transmission of the message. It's very similar. Yes, I know what you're saying, and, we, and that's exactly what we're getting. We're getting extraterrestrial contact here. Uh, people are looking all over for it all the time. Um, discussion, uh, is it real or not? You've got, it, you've got contact sitting in your backyard with the crop circles. It's hiding in plain sight. And it's more... right in front of you. And if you want to, if you want to have a, a trip of your life, go over there this summer or next summer, and you're going to have a wonderful time. It's just head out on M4 out of London, and an hour and a half later you're in Marlborough, and you're right there at the barge inn. And yeah, let me circles. let me ask you about that. You went, uh, you went to Stonehenge, didn't you? Yes. Um, is it worth asking, uh, particularly for you, what was it like to actually be in the middle of one, Doug? Well, it, it's awesome. I, for me, it was uh, it was uh, if if I ever had uh, religious experience in my life, you want to call it that. That's what it was. Uh, the energies you become forgetful. Uh, the energies really affect you there within these formations. And and I was lucky that the first day I got there, the very first morning, I met up with uh, Ilas, who's uh, coordinator for crop circles for the United States, and. Uh, her and another gal uh, were heading out to look at a crop circle. And I look up on a hill and not never seeing one in, in in real life. I said, "Is that something up on that hill?" And the two of the girls went, "Oh my God!" and tore up this road. And they had just been formed that night. They were brand new. Only the farmer and his daughter had been in the field. And we were the first in. In there was two formations on one field. And by the way, this field was on a, on a hill, and that hill. There's a, a ruins of a castle on it, and it's where King Charles died in combat. Huh. So uh, the history here <laughs> sort of overwhelms you, and uh, that was that was an unbelievable experience. Uh, I spent a week over there. Um, I can imagine. Um, so you, you can feel an energy within them. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people. Uh, in this country, researchers, uh, Linda Moulton Howe uh, deals with researchers, and they go out and they examine uh, the crop that has been turned down, as you point out, gently in a way that could not possibly be done by a couple of uh, dunces named Doug and Dave with uh, boards and chains. Uh, they detect molecular changes in the crops. Uh, a very interesting molecular change that cannot quite be duplicated, but is very similar to uh, microwave energy. Exactly. Um, and I'm trying to think of the doctor's name, which ends in good, doctor, something good. Living's good. Isn't it? Uh, that might be it or something like that. And he's extensively tested them. He's found a few fakes, but by and large, most of them, uh, have shown these strange molecular changes. Uh, so do you have any hint, any idea how yeah. how they're formed? Sure. Uh, I think you can use dousing rods over there. And some people can't use a dousing rods. But uh, when, I, when we first went into these formations this, this morning, 
Isla says, she, she's already, the girls are in the circle. I'm still walking up saying, aren't you going to say anything to the farmer? And they says, oh, forget the farmer. They were so excited. And Isla said, stop before I entered the circle. Take your shoes off. And she handed me the dousing rods. And as I walked in the circle, the rods, the, the minute I entered the circle, the rods closed on me. She says, they will either close or they were open. What you're entering is an energy barrier. Huh. These formations are formed by an ultrasound, which might be up in the frequencies of microwave. And this energy remains in the field for quite some time. And how they are formed, they are formed very rapidly. For instance, last year, in the same area where your, your formation that, that you've got on the Internet that was just formed yesterday, uh, this uh, uh, snowflake-type uh, geometrical uh, formation, uh, right about in the same area last year, they had the Julia set. Right. And this thing was 915 feet in length. Right. And I'm just reading off of this is uh, from uh, Colin Andrews, uh, back of it here. And this gives you a real quick idea on how quickly they're formed and what's happening here. Uh, a light, uh, I'm going to read this. A light aircraft pilot, uh, Mr. Rodney Taylor, was flying a passenger over Stonehenge at 5.30 p.m., they looked down from the aircraft as they flew around the area on their return to Thurston near Andover, Hampshire. Both men are certain that the very large pattern was not in the wheat field at this time. Just 45 minutes later, at 6.15 p.m., the passenger from his aircraft drove his car past the hinge on the major highway, A303, and saw the circles in the field with people already stopping to look at them. He goes on to say... This agrees with numerous eyewitness reports around the world of people who claim to have witnessed the crop circles forming. As a matter of fact, I believe that pilot signed a deposition. Now, interestingly, again, on the one that we've just got on the Internet, folks, there's a brand-new Stonehenge crop circle. If you're just tuning in, God, I hope you're not. hope you've been listening. Um, we've got it on our website right now, which is www.artbell.com. Now, if you look at this crop circle you'll notice that uh, there are tire tracks uh, not only in within the crop circle but uh, beyond it indicating that the farmer had been doing work uh, on that field perhaps not even knowing that he was uh, going right across this crop circle is that possible what you're seeing there are, are they're, they're called tram lines and as I recall they're about 60 feet uh, separated by about 60 feet and these are the way they irrigate their fields over there is they have this, these long um, metal structures on the, on and the, on these wheels, and they'll yes. go across two or three. Of these, and these tram lines are formed by the wheels. Uh, ha, 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 ha. So they were they were in the field when the formation appeared. Aha, aha, he says. So that also gives us a, a manner then of measuring distance. Yes, it is. I've got you. All right, uh, here we go. East of the Rockies, uh, you are on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Where are you? I'm. Uh, my name's Dan, and I'm in Virginia. Yes, Dan. Uh, I'm becoming an insomniac. There's so much information coming out here in the last three or four days talking about a quickening. It's, uh, it's I know. Over it's overwhelming. I know. All the answers are just falling into place here. I know. And, and the... The thing I wanted to ask Doug about is I think he has more here than than a, a schematic, you know, for a new power system. I think he has keys to unlocking the uh, consciousness of mankind here. 
That's absolutely correct. That, that this, this phenomena is, is on a subconscious level also. It's affecting us. And, and, and Robert Morning Sky, I read his book, and he, he worked with the crop circles, you know, in, in uh, uh, tying it in with the prophecies of the Hopis. Yes. And he does an incredible thing. And when I got his book and read it, I saw a ship. I said, this, these things are showing a ship of some kind. And then he took it, you know, one step further. So I, I sure hope Robert Morning's guy, you know, can make contact with you because I think you two guys got a lot to talk about. All right, my friend. Thank you. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to be literally, uh, Doug, as a result of what they're hearing this morning combined with what we have done. They're going to be jumping up and down. I believe this is it. And I... <laughs> Um, how long have you been dealing with this aha experience? <laughs> <laughs> Since the very beginning of 1994, January 1st of 1994. That must be hard to contain uh, in, in a lot of ways. In other words, obviously with your career, you probably can't go to a lot of the people you work with and try to talk to them about this, can you? Uh, no, uh, that's not true. Uh, I, I don't advertise this a lot, but uh, I have a lot of friends out there, and pilots uh, pilots like to talk uh, about these things. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's to, not, e to each other. To each other. Oh, yeah, this is close. It's not, uh, they don't take it home, they don't take it anywhere. It's between, between the pilots, and that doesn't matter if it's a female or a male. It's just a bond we have. Okay. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Hi. Uh, you're on the air. Okay. Where are you? Um, um, my name is Stephen. I'm in Victoria, British Columbia. All right. Um, where to start um, without putting my feet in my mouth at the same time? Um, I think uh, one of the reasons why um, Doug has been able to uh, figure this out is because of um, his perspective. And if you sort of think about it, um, who better to know what's going on in the world and realize that a change has to take place than a an airline pilot in the sense that um, he's like a guardian angel for, for the people he's carrying around and for the planet. You know, you can actually see the pollution, the problems, and everything else that are actually going on in the world because you're, you're so involved in it. And um, whether or not you actually believe in reincarnation or anything else like that, um, which I do, um, you're here at this place um, doing this, at this place in time because um, whether we're ready for it or not it has to happen and um, if it does get figured out which I know it is going to um, it'll, it'll benefit everybody and it's sort of um, along the lines of allowing the meek to inherit the earth because anybody can use it anybody can build it and it's not going to cost them their soul you're absolutely, I agree with you wholeheartedly on all of it, Stephen. And to go on just a little bit from that, the ego is absent from me. I am your servant and the Creator's servant. Yeah. I, I appreciate the call, Stephen, from Canada. Um, there's something, this is totally off uh, course from where we've been going, but I want to ask it uh, for the sake of the audience. Many, many, many of us uh, sat here on the ground and watched Comet Hale-Bopp one of the most spectacular things that um, that I've ever seen in my whole life. I live out here in the desert. We've got, we had a very clear view 
but I can only imagine what that comet must have been like at what, what are typical altitudes uh, that you fly at? Uh, the highest we go is 42,000. 42. And we're usually down in the uh, mid-range of the 30s, depending on the weight of the aircraft. But uh, you're absolutely right. That that uh, Hale-Bopp set out there uh, out our front window night after night, and we'd have the flight attendants come up and uh, take a look. And, uh, you know, everybody was just in awe of this thing. It was absolutely beautiful. And we, you could see both tails uh, and some evenings with it. Oh, boy. Uh, I've heard stories from some people who were passengers during that time that occasionally pilots would make turns uh, so passengers could get a look at the comet. Did you ever do that? Well, I don't know if I cheap pilot uh, appreciate this, but uh, we, would turn, we would turn the lights out in the cabin on, uh, when we had the right visibility, uh, ask the folks first if they'd like to see the comet from that altitude. Turn the lights out in the cabin, we make a couple of uh, 360s, and so both sides of the aircraft could, uh, all, all the folks there could take a look at it. Wow. Yeah. Well, oh. you got, that's what life's about, fun. <laughs> yeah, even, even commercial pilots have fun, I'm sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you a funny little story about that when we come back. First time caller line, you're on the air with, uh, uh, with the author of The Gift, The Crop Circles Deciphered, uh, Doug Ruby. Good evening, Art, and good evening, Doug. This is Debbie. I'm calling from Puyallup, Washington. Hi. And it's going to be difficult to be articulate when my jaw is on the floor, but... Um, I hear you. This is, this is a great subject. All of your subjects are great, Art. Um, my question for Doug is, we already know what the government has done with any contact they've had with this type of technology from this type of source. It's, it's hidden away. It's denied everything else. And I'm just wondering what makes Doug think that this technology will be built and we will actually do something with it when it probably will cost a lot of money and that means the more elite people of our society will have access to it first and we don't know what well we might actually we can enlarge on that question and the question might be um, how do you know that there are not others who have done what Doug has done and that this technology already exists Doug, you think that's possible? Absolutely. They, uh, they've got it. They've got it now. Hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 
been a very interesting week, hasn't it? Good morning, I'm Art Bell. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. Sometimes the most complex things are really the simplest. Complexity versus simplicity. Things that we uh, contemplate uh, as being incredibly complex that are actually very, very simplistic. You know, when you, when you listened to what Doug said over the hours, um, in a way it seems so simple, but it really wasn't. Nobody else figured it out. Nobody else knew what it meant. Nobody else knew how to approach it. And for some reason, you call it, I can't. He knew. What a program. This is a question. I've been, I've been wanting to know about these crop circles. I mean, inside, I knew, I, I knew that there was a puzzle to be deciphered here knew these really meant something. And I have never had anybody on any program, and I've done a lot of programs on this subject, many, 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 and I've never had anybody who has been within light years of the understanding that Doug has obviously got. He's got it. This is the answer. There is no way that anybody can listen to those two hours, particularly, without going, ah, I get it. Finally, I understand. And this is going to lead to some pretty tremendous things for our society, I do believe. I think this falls right on the money. Uh, you may be reminded of the old close encounters of the third kind. Uh, when the fellow was putting the mashed potatoes together, driven, compelled to do what he was doing, uh, this pilot that we spoke with, um, Doug, a commercial pilot, was driven in exactly the same way. The thing is, he's come away with the answers. I mean, I've been doing talk radio a lot of years, and I know when a bomb has gone off, and um, a bomb has gone off. The information imparted tonight is going to end up... Uh, are resulting in research that is going to change many, if not most, aspects of our lives. Maybe even in our lifetimes. I just know he's right. He's, he's right. That's all there is to it. He's right. But under any circumstance, I'm telling you, this is uh, the most definitive, clear, obvious work on crop circles I've ever uh, heard in my whole life. It comes from an airline pilot. Of all places, um, you know, people ask me about my program, and uh, I think tonight, and maybe all week, 
has been a particularly poignant, uh, poignant example of why it works the way it works. It's unplanned. Utterly, totally, completely unplanned. The new version of the Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or link from the Coast website. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to in radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. You know, I was listening to the show and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take. And you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Coast to Coast AM sure sounds great in the middle of the night. But you know, you don't have to be nocturnal to enjoy this amazing show. The Coast Insider is your key to a normal life. For 15 cents a day, you can wake up refreshed knowing that last night's show is waiting for you with podcasting. Listen on your way to work and again on the way home. Or listen to one of over a thousand archived shows from the past three years. As a member, you'll have access to our monthly live chat sessions with George Nuri and special guests. The Coast Insiders Club is a must-have feature for all Coast to Coast AM listeners. Visit coasttocoastam.com to sign up today. You'll sleep like a baby, knowing you'll never miss your favorite guests and topics ever again. Remember, a one-year subscription comes out to only 15 cents a day. Sign up today at coasttocoastam.com. Now, we take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Back now to Doug Ruby, the man who has deciphered crop circles. Um, Doug, uh, there's a lot of people that want to talk to you, so we'll use the balance of this hour, if we can, to let you talk with them. Uh, Wes, if that's all right. All right. I just want to mention, we were talking to Debbie, and she'd asked us a question. We went, you went on commercial. But she was asking about uh, these formations and the, and the uh, information uh, about this power plant or energy machine. Right. And uh, being the bolts to do uh, that it was... Does the government have this now, or does, uh, is it in possession of anybody here on the planet? And you had answered yes. Yes, but uh, I wanted to follow that up and, and answer the rest of her question and tell her that as soon as I got this thing nailed, I'm giving it to all of you. It's not mine. I... 
It's not my in my possession. It was never meant for me. It was meant for you. And I am nothing but the conduit through which these people have reached you. Therefore, I'm, I'm releasing it to the public, all of it. And it's a dangerous move, but it's what they want, only because it could go into uh, folks' hands that uh, well, work look, on the fear and motivation instead of the love. I understand. Um, but the safest place for you to be is where you are right now, very public. Once You know, the genie's out of the bottle here, Doug. That's right. Uh, and, that's, and, and that really makes you safe. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Hi. Where are you? I'm in North Hollywood. My name is Lou. Okay. Um, never called before. Thank you for having me on. I have a couple of things, and I'll try to be very brief. Okay. Uh, I agree with the man uh, in Virginia that this is much larger than um, planets and uh, UFOs. Uh, I think it has something to do with thoughts or things energy the law wisdom magic of the universe is energy having said that um, I have a question for Doug okay um, when I went to Stonehenge the friend that I was with said gee what's the sense of this or what's what's this about yeah. and I stood on the top of this hill and I turned what is that 360 degrees and I said you can see 360 degrees you can see it's like looking at the world from here is there a pattern of these um, uh, of these uh, crop circles around Stonehenge in any way? Is there a pattern in which they've fallen on the earth there? Do you understand my question? Exactly, and you're absolutely correct. There are ley lines or lines of energy extending out to, from Stonehenge to other ancient megalithic sites. All around that area for it's 80, 90 area. miles. They, oh, many of these formations form right on these ley lines. And the one we had talked about earlier, the Julia set, is smack on two of those ley lines, and Stonehenge is right in the middle of those ley lines. And that's going to Magnetic North. Huh. Mm. Okay. And I have another thing, if you've completed that question, that answer. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 1958, uh, my husband was in the Air Force, and I was newly married. I was 18. And we were looking for a place to live, and there was an old gentleman out of around, uh, behind Lancaster, I believe, around uh, several miles out of uh, E, Avenue E, who took us into his um, barn, you might say a single-story barn, and showed us what he said was a flying saucer. And it looked something like, it was about 16 to 18 inches high, circular, about um, 12 or 14 inches across, and it resembled what looks like the Capitol Records building. Uh, Art, if you've seen the Capitol Records building in Hollywood. Of course. Uh, I have no other information than that. I was 18. I didn't question him any further, but he said it flew. Does this resemble anything that you were trying to explain to us, Doug, about what this combination of layers of disks would look like if you'd seen a picture of the Capitol Records building? I don't know what that building looks like. Uh, I, I can tell you that there have been folks around since I've been in this in the last three or four years that I've come in contact with that that have built machines, have built saucers, model saucers, have flown them, and they work on uh, 
on magnetics. What we're into with this is uh, a, a totally different uh, energy, although those magnetics do work with this energy, and I should probably retract that statement. For instance, if you went with a, just a simple little Levitron top that you can buy right. out of magazines, uh, they, the instructions with that thing say you're going to have to take off some weight to put them on from day to day or from the morning to the afternoon. I advertise the Levitron. I've got one here. Okay. I, I play with it, too. So what, what I'm saying to you is, is why is that? Is gravity changing? No. This thing is working in conjunction with this energy, and this energy floats like clouds uh, around every day with us. And in other words, there's there's more of it at some times and, and less of it at other times, and that's why these guys within their... Laboratories and they turn on their their uh, free energy machine. It either freezes up or heats up because uh, it, it, they can't they can't uh, modulate it for the amount of energy that's present at that time. Oh my God! So you're saying that's why the Levitron and you're absolutely right. People who've played with it out there know one day you've got to have one little weight on there. The next sure. day you've got to make a little change to make it work. That's right. And through through uh, the magnetics, the the, uh, the, the the spinning of that, it's interacting with this energy. Well, I, re I retract. I'm sorry I said that, Lou. Uh, yes, I mean, that they have been touching on it. What we're looking at here is uh, the, the, <laughs> the frosting on the cake for, I mean, this is the this is the real wild stuff out yeah, there. Yeah, this really is the wild stuff. Um, <laughs> have you... Have you ever have you had the opportunity to sit down with a, a good scientist and explain this? Will they listen? I did that for the book. Um, when I got into the physics, uh, I was Daffy Duck, and I I did have a friend that uh, was a physicist, and we sat down uh, for a good afternoon, and I shot a lot of questions at him about this. We came to some determinations. I run through this in the book. Yeah, you know, when we start getting the power plant in the back of the book, as far as I could go at that at that point, we've, I've gone a lot farther than that now. But uh, he didn't understand a lot of what I was saying. But we did come to some conclusions. He did not understand whatsoever this energy source. Uh, the whole thing, he he just said, you know, we just came to some con uh, common sense conclusions with it. And he uh, he also pointed me towards. Uh, a couple of books to read from physicists who who wrote to the, for the layman, and from those, I, I gleaned a lot of information, and I, I passed that on to the, the reader uh, what I had sieved out of it that should be related because right. you don't want to get into all these particles. Sure, you said something a little while ago. I can't let go. You said that uh, you know of some people that have used. Uh, what you have learned, uh, your virtual manual, flight manual, you called it, um, to build some saucers. No, what I well, I'm, I'm, I misstated myself. What I'm saying is, is that there are individuals out there that have built saucers that have they have flown by by remote control models. Okay. Yep. And uh, they were, they are now. Quite paranoid. Uh, they were told never to touch this again and don't talk to anybody about it. And if they didn't want to do that, uh, there would be severe consequences. So that's where they're at with it. It's it's a it's a it's a dangerous arena to get into for some some reason. Uh, let me read this to you. See if it makes sense. Um, 
Doug has likened crop circles to the hand and voice gestures used by an animal trainer to communicate with a dolphin. The trainer begins with simplistic commands and gestures. And as the animal learns, the gestures become more complex and begin to build off one another. But just as a parent wouldn't teach a child to run before they had learned to walk, one would think a trainer wouldn't teach an animal complex tasks before the animal had learned and demonstrated they had learned the basics. It would be futile from the perspective of the trainer and totally confuse the dolphin. If crop circles are elaborate hand gestures, in quotes, to the human race, why would they have grown in complexity over the last seven years if no one yet understood them? One would think they would only grow in complexity if there was some evidence of learning, some demonstrative form of understanding, which begs the question, who's learning, and how is this learning being demonstrated? Good question. You bet. That's from Mark in Los Angeles, actually. They're right here, Mark. We're not dealing with somebody that's uh, off-planet, sending this stuff across space and saying, oh, I hope they, they receive this message. They're right here. They know I've done this. They know this show's on tonight, and they're, they're probably very happy, I would say. So don't, you know, I hope that answered your question. By the complexity, even though everything came to a halt there for a few years uh, with the hoaxers, uh, things are becoming more on track all the time. You're going to see some more programs on crop circles, and, and the crop circles are coming coming back. Even though what you see out there in the media is so stifled in this country that uh, it's tough to get any information on it, it, it is coming back again. Doug, after tonight, um, you are going to be approached by a number of television programs uh, who are going to want to bring cameras and get a visual demonstration of what you have so uh, exquisitely laid out tonight. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen, Doug. Uh, are you willing to do that? Yes. This is my job, Art. All right. Um, here's uh, This represents, from Honolulu, Hawaii, many faxers, Doug. Please ask Doug if he has ever viewed his spinning model uh, with a strobe light or different flash rates and varying model RPMs, this might show up yet more information. Very perceptive, uh, absolutely. And with the newer, newer crop circles out, uh, much of the harmonics, the, uh, the speeds, and we're getting into something here with the planets and how what they, uh, what they did with this machine is they looked at the planets, the energy uh, with, between the planets, this is involved in the machine, rings, harmonics of the spheres. And I do use a strobe, and I use halogen lights. Oh, really? And I, well, I'm, I've just finished uh, my newest machine, the third one here, and this has uh, got a very accurate that I can, I can run it uh, at a very specific speed, and i got an RPM meter on it. I need this. i got it because they're giving us all the information. I don't need to know a bunch of mathematics. I, I can just read it off a meter. Doug, when you get that public, uh, really public, uh, and the television shows are going to come, they've got the numbers, they're going to call, your publisher is going to be contacting you. I guarantee it's going to happen because it's a visual thing, and the TV programs are definitely going to go for it. I can guarantee it. Um, as you become more and more public, Doug, 
um, there becomes more and more of a threat to your career. And I want to ask you that when we get back. So stay right where you are. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 12, 1997. Good morning. I'm Art Bell, and my guest has blown me away. And I've been doing this a lot of years, and it's hard to get blown away, but uh, Doug has done it. Good morning. This is a man who has deciphered the crop circles, finally. And we'll get back to him in a moment. Coast to Coast AM app is here, now available for Android as well as iPhone. For Coast Insiders, it offers the ability to download the most recent shows so you can listen to them at your leisure. The new app also has listen live and streaming features, plus recaps, contacts, and upcoming show info. Coast Insiders with Android System 4.0 and above or iPhone. Check out our new app at the Google Play or iTunes stores or linked from the Coast website. Get a new view of the world with Coast to Coast AM. First of all, I want to just thank you for bringing everyone out here to Cornucopia of just phenomenal knowledge. I don't know of anyone else that I've ever listened to in radio that just fills my brain and stimulates me. But, you know, I was listening to the show, and I thought to myself, do you think, George, the common citizen such as you or I really has any hope towards the future of any privacy or anything else? I think we do. I think eventually so many people will see the light, see what you see, see what I see, that eventually they're going to say enough is enough. And I think that we do have a future and we're going to win in the long run. It's going to be bumpy along the way. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. That's my take. And you know what? As long as I can continue on the airwaves and tell people this, I shall. Somewhere in Time with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. 
got a fax here from a Ph.D. in San Diego, and he goes into some very heavy-duty um, uh, physics here, uh, and I would prefer to have him uh, on the air. So I'm going to take another break in a moment and try to get him on the air and try to get him to explain this to us, uh, if possible, in person, rather than trying to read this fax, which will come out as Greek to me. Uh, back to our guest now. Doug, are you there? Yes. Okay. Um, back to the phones. They're loaded. First-time caller line. You're on the air with Doug Ruby in Florida, where it's getting late or early. Hello? Hello. Hi. Where are you? I'm uh, in Portland, Oregon. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I'm very much interested in uh, what Doug has had to say tonight. And uh, I've only been listening to your program. My name is Kelly. I've only been listening to it for three nights. Yes, Kelly. And due to a good friend of mine named McIntosh here in Portland, Oregon, he uh, informed me and keeps me informed pretty much of every uh, one you've had on your program. And Mr. Ruby has hit upon something that has been a long-time favorite of mine, which I would like to fax him a copy of a drawing. Now, are you there, Mr. Ruby? Sure am. Uh, I would like to fax you a copy uh, of the drawing. I've not read your book nor even been to uh, Stonehenge. What is your drawing, sir? Uh, it's a wheel within a wheel. And if you read uh, the Bible in Ezekiel, of course, it talks about a wheel within a wheel and wheels all about. And uh, it does. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, it sure does. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, and I'm sure you've heard that reference uh, before, Doug. Uh, I can't. I can't believe the perception of of your uh, your listeners here. He's dead on. There is information in the Bible about this machine, <laughs> and other places. There are some written instructions out there. Good uh, going. <laughs> uh, wild card line. You're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> How are you, Art? Doug. We've enjoyed the show. I have a uh, comment and a question here. You know, the timing of the crop, uh, crop circles when they first started appearing and the, uh, and the capabilities of, uh, uh, the money that was, has been spent on, uh, high energy, uh, uh, discharge devices, majors for, uh, uh, of course they originally developed for, supposed to be for space, uh, based defense, uh, and, uh, but anyway, what, what was seen, uh, the, and it's when, when one of these crop circles was being formed at night, Art probably remembers somebody called in and, uh, and talked about it. That is, that there was, there was a corona, a bluish corona discharge in the ionosphere above the crop circle, which would indicate, as, as you brought out, uh, uh, microwave radiation, a very high power, of course, it would take, uh, right. yep. to do this sort of thing. But, but this coincides more or less with, with the money that's been expended to develop this sort of thing, and, uh, uh, you know, his question mark there also was brought out by one of uh, Art's callers who was in, in the Air Force and involved. The Air Force was experimenting with uh, uh, atmospheric holographic displays uh, and, uh, and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, and then and here's the, what, the Office of National Recon Reconnaissance, which is a black outfit, uh, the agency or uh, subdivision of the National Security Agency, another black outfit, uh, involvement in the HARP project, and of course there is a, a, something similar to the HARP project in Norway 
that's uh, capable of using very high energy, in fact, almost to EMP levels. Uh, right. Uh, but in any case, do you see a possibility of a, of a very high-level hoax in, in some of this? All right. Well, in fact, as a matter of fact, let's convert that first to the, uh, the simpler form of the question. Uh, there was Doug and Dave. Um, and, and so I would ask you, uh, Doug, uh, uh, how, do, how do we know uh, that we're not involved here either in a low level, as in Doug and Dave, or high level, as in military hoax? Uh, I think the proof is right there in front of your face. Uh, remember something. Every TV documentary done in this country has alluded to it's all hoaxers. Uh, any information that's coming out of these out of England or around the world about crop circles is given no attention or is not put on the, in the mainstream of media in this country at all. There is very little information about this going on uh, at this time or, or in the previous years. So what I'm saying to you is, if if you want to look at the government or, or what you're looking at here as a scenario, I don't believe it's uh, it's just the opposite. They don't want us to become attracted to these formations again. They do not want this information out. And another viewpoint of that is these formations are so intricate, the information being conveyed, for instance, uh, Dr. Gerald Hawkins uh, deciphered a number of the early on simpler formations and got uh, an, arrived at a number of uh, musical notes yes. uh, uh, from this. And are you referring to Are you referring to Stephen Hawkins? No, no, oh, Gerald Hawkins. Gerald Hawkins. Yeah, Dr. Gerald Hawkins. And he, this is out. In the, this is out in the public mainstream. I mean, it's there if you want to try to find it. I, I just happen to be in the crop circle, so. And he's working with this. What I'm What I'm saying to you is, uh, this these uh, notes uh, are in the diatonic scale, and his observation on it uh, was, he has no idea how any intelligence could do this backwards. It boggles his mind what they back-engineered here to convey to us. And then he came up with a fifth theorem on it. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you, I think, uh, as a frosting on the cake with this, is that this intelligence goes way beyond anything here on this planet. Well, I think clearly it does. And again, I'm going to ask you a question because with the national exposure you're getting right now, Doug, and this is beginning to, you know, I'm sure it's sinking in out there hard in a lot of places. You're going to have TV coming to you, national TV and the rest of it. Um, you have a uh, an important career. You've been at it for 30 years or so. Um, do you think you can deal with that and keep your career intact? Ken, uh, in the, uh, the company I work for is uh, a wonderful company. Uh, I'm well-respected there, and as long as I give them the same respect, I don't think we're going to have any problem whatsoever. Uh, if we do want to look at worst-case scenario, and they said, uh, Doug, we think we ought to depart. Uh, everybody knows about this now, and, and we just don't really want our passengers to be upset if, if there should be that deep third-dimensional mindset back there. Mm -hmm. um, a lady uh, early on in the program asked that question. Why do you think you, uh, how do you think you, you know, this information came to you? We went through that. And another answer to that is, uh, another facet of it is, uh, I, I, I'll go all the way with it uh, I, until I drop. The only way they're going to stop me is to terminate, to terminate my, me. And 
If uh, uh, if it comes to that, Doug, can you uh, retire if you have to? By terminate, I mean death. I mean, forget the job for this simple reason. The importance of, of this information and, and the contact that is going on here from beings of the light, which we're going to need so desperately in our near future, weighs my, my entire life. Forget the job. And I will do what I have to do if, if it comes to that point. I'll sacrifice whatever i got to sacrifice, okay. but this is my job. We talked about timelines. How short do you think it is? Boy, I hate to touch that, Art. You know, there's so much out there. Uh, just for me personally, what I see, uh, I see a, I see a, uh, a great upheaval uh, sometime in uh, 2003. I see this, uh, some darkness through there. Uh, coming up in our sure future after a uh, period of revelations, which that darkness will take part in. And then uh, 2012, the planet's going to go fifth dimensional. And this is there, this is a, a big, <laughs> this is Pandora's box we've opened here. And it's, we really shouldn't go any farther. Now. All right, I understand. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hello. Yes, sir. Where are you? Art Bell? Yes. Yes, my name is Bob. I'm calling from Plainfield, Illinois. Hello, Bob. Uh, basically, uh, Mr. Ruby, fascinating. I made a correlation very quickly here. I don't know if you've, anybody's ever brought this to your attention. Uh, you said that the crop circles were representations of possible propulsion systems, correct? Correct. Or models of it. Uh, I believe 50 years ago, there was proof of your theory found. Uh, with the Roswell crash, when there was parts taken from it. Uh, I believe the guy's name was Jesse Raphael, the major? No. Okay. Uh, uh, major Jesse Marcel. Okay, that's it. I'm sorry. All right. He evidently took parts and gave it to his son to look at. I've interviewed his son uh, about a year ago, and you're going to refer to the hieroglyphic uh, line. Exactly. Uh, marks on, on the bars, yes. It's no different than a car crash and people piecing together what's left over of a car. You can tell what it was by, like, schematics or diagrams. This could have been a part that represented the propulsion system on that craft. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, we're reaching there. Uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen what you've, you saw on TV, and I didn't see anything there that, that looks anything close to this, but... You're right. It could be. All right. West of the Rockies, uh, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Hi. Um, Art, I'm calling from Arizona. Arizona. Okay. Always a unique pleasure listening to your show. Thank you. Um, I have a few quick questions for Doug. Um, right before one of the breaks a while back, and now just, just a minute ago, um, you had called these folks who are imparting these crop circles to us as beings of light or light beings. And um, mentioned something about having to say a little prayer because they're very polite and have to be asked to be here. And then a bit later you said they're actually here and know you're on the show. Could you, like, clarify these things for us? <laughs> well, if they weren't polite, we'd be French fries. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have I have absolutely, I have never had any contact with these beings face-to-face -face or anything like that, okay? I am not being contacted telepathically by these beings. I, I do receive information. I don't know how it's done, but it's, I believe, a buzzing in the ear, okay, especially at night when I'm sleeping. Uh, as far as being here, and that's just, and then you're saying, well, you're saying they have to be invited. What I'm saying here is they, they must have methods to observe some of these things, some of these happenings. I was, I believe, selected to do this 
I I would be uh, it would be very favorable for, for me anything they would like to observe like uh, of this manner. On the other, I don't believe they would sneak around another dimension and look at us like we would look at fish in a fishbowl. You 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 have uh, you have definitely a good observation. <laughs> good observation. Um, your company has not been involved. You've intentionally uh, not carried this to work with you, uh, except to talk to other pilots. Um, but how about your wife? How's it how's it gone? Uh, is she is she reconciled now um, to what you have discovered? Did she have her own aha moment, or is she go is still going? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yes, it's still an uh huh. On the other hand, that's nice to have around because if there was two of us floating around the house, uh, that wouldn't work too well. So she's uh, she's my little rock in the third dimension. I hear that. When I float off with this stuff. I hear that. All right. Um, very good. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Hello. Um, how come your brother Dave's not on the line with you? Uh, Doug and Dave, that's a cute little yeah. joke, huh? Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, actually, have you ever been abducted or... No. Never have. No. Have you, caller? <laughs> Not that I know of. That makes three of us, then. <laughs> Next question? Um, I really don't have another question. Uh-huh. Well, okay, then uh, we'll move on. First time caller line, you're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hello. Oh, yeah, this is Scott from Reno. Hi, Scott. Yeah, um, I missed the first part of the show, and I'm just totally lost, so... <laughs> um... I can yes, I'm sure you would be totally lost. Um, I like I I, I in about all right then then do do this for me. Uh, I don't I don't know whether in Reno they repeat the first um, portion of the show. Usually at uh, four o'clock, I think they do. At so four o'clock, all right. Then. Yeah, but only till five. Do you think that'll cover it or? Um. I yeah, I, 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 do, I, I. Do you think the first hour, uh, Doug, would be enough enough of a uh, a primer for him? Probably. We, that's when we covered uh, the process. Yeah. It'd be uh, better if he just got the tape from you. Yeah, I would say get the tape, uh, and, and and everybody get the tape. Uh, this really is important. This is a tape you should have. You should give to your friends. You should pass around. Best advice. Wild card line. You're on the air with Doug Ruby. Hi. Good morning, Mr. Bell. This is Robert in San Joaquin Valley, California. Sir. Hi there. Mr. Ruby? Yes, sir. It's a pleasure uh, to be able to speak to you, sir. What I wanted to say to you is that uh, you have been chosen, not just as a pilot, but flying above the earth and knowing the constellations, and Orion and 19.5 and so much that you know, prior to when... You started writing the book, and prior to when you started piecing things together, if you think back, most likely you were touched either feeling the surge of energy or light. There was a time because you were cho chosen, as Mr. Hoagland and many others were. And if you think back, maybe you can recall. And if so, I'd sure like to hear it on the air. All right. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Richard is brilliant, of course. Um, but Richard has been following this course for years and years and years, and I don't know that in the same sense that you apparently were chosen, um, Doug, that, that he was. He's brilliant, but I, I don't think it's the same thing. It's like something special happened to you. Do you know when? Well, i got to be honest with you folks. we, we got to come flat out with this thing. Uh, 
the only thing I can tell you, the only experience that I ever had in my life uh, of a highly metaphysical nature, I was 10 years old, I was in Japan, my parents and uh, the rest of the family had gone to it's Easter Sunday, and my rest of my family had gone to church. I had an earlier service. For some reason, I had slept in, and I went alone. And at some time during that service, uh, a force entered my body from my back, stayed in my body for some place, some period of around five to thirty seconds. I I can't tell you a time there. And this was the most powerful energy I've ever experienced in my life, and it was nothing but solid love. And when it started coming out my front and going towards the front of the church, I all I remember saying is to myself, and as I looked around to see if other people were reacting the same way and nobody was, I just said, don't leave, please don't leave. And then it just went towards, it left my body and went towards the front of the church. I never knew what it was. I, I just know that it was... It was awesome, uh, and that's it. Well, as I listened to really the two hours, I would guess, of explanation at the beginning of the program, um, there was no question in my mind, Doug, I know you're right. I know you're right. You've, you really have done what you, you know, the title of your book is, let's see, The Gift Crop Circles Deciphered. You have done that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Doug, uh, I've kept you up. It's got to be com coming up on 6 o'clock in Florida. Richard's in bed. Can I go to bed now, Art? It's your turn to go to bed. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, and please thank your wife for me as well, who managed, uh, managed to get download that uh, photograph just in time. I sure will. Would you please give me a call sometime? We'll hook up for this video for you. Uh, you, you, you can depend on it. <laughs> thank you, Art, and thank, thank you. you, folks. Good night. All right. Uh, there you have it, folks. That's... Uh, now that's one of the classic programs of all time. From the high desert, good night. <laughs>